L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's obstructing my justices? I'm Robert Evans. This is uh, Behind the Bastards. Uh, this is actually a special crossover episode of, of Behind the Bastards and the Daily Zeitgeist. And I have Jack O'Brien and Miles Gray on with me. Hey, hey. What are we calling this? Behind the Zeitgeist? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Daily Bastards? I'm eating right now because yeah, I had, been- we had rip ourselves away from the microphones just to come back to other microphones. And we don't even have time to eat because we need to make that tent. I thought it was an entire pie that you're eating because it's in a pie tin, but it's not. We're talking about the Mueller report oh, yeah. today. Yay! Yeah, yeah. So yesterday, uh, Thursday, the Mueller report dropped uh, like a Beyonce album, but mm-hmm. with with a lot of lead time and not <laughs> out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I read all of it over the course of like I don't know t- nine or ten hours or so, and I took. 11,000 words of notes, and now I'm going to read them all to you guys. 11,000 words of notes? That's A lot of it's copy-paste. The man okay. is devoted. So what would that be like? A Rihanna album? Who drops their album with lots of lead time? Like Actually, years of lead time? Right. Uh, yeah. Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre. Because we still don't have detox. Right. I have thought that there's a lot of similarities between Dre and, and our <laughs> Robert Mueller. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They're both uh, OGs. Mm-hmm. That is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or one's an OG, one's a G-Man. Yeah, one's yeah. an OG, one's an uh, original G-Man. He's not yeah. the best in the biz for nothing, folks. Yep. Uh, what, <sighs> just general uh, thoughts on Robert Mueller's prose style? Uh, not not great. Okay. Uh, Could have used an editor. A lot, okay. of, a lot of buried leads. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe, you know, copy editing's good, but maybe maybe somebody to kick it up a notch yeah, style-wise. Present, presentation of ideas yeah. could have been a yeah. little more effective. Could have been a little bit more fun. Yeah. Okay. That was a Sprite, not a beer. Uh-huh. Sure, Miles. 
Yeah, Miles has a Sprite. Ah, damn, this bud. I have a bunch of throwing bagels. Yeah. Because this is going to be a frustrating Robert conversation. Robert comes armed, yeah. as per usual. The old throwing bagels. All right. Uh, I guess before we get into it, have you guys have you guys read much of the of the report? I've read probably many articles with excerpts that would amount to maybe fifteen pages. Okay. My most. reading is excerpt based at this point. Yeah, I did a lot of that too. Uh, I I, I want to start by talking about uh, uh, William Barr, the current Attorney General, a little bit before we we get into the report itself. We're going to talk about him much in the report because he's not. In the report, but uh, I think a little bit of his background is useful for understanding oh, the yeah. context of his uh, behavior uh, and yeah, his I, track record of, of doing the this. context that he gave us. Yeah, I would I would call them the lies. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 But yeah. like, this is like in his playbook. Yeah. Like, he this can is point very to like past home runs he's done like this. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in 1989, as Assistant Attorney General, William Barr drew some uh, ire for authoring a legal opinion that stated that the FBI had the right to abduct people in foreign countries without the approval of the governments of those host countries. Uh, when this became an issue before Congress, uh, he was asked to hand over a full copy of that memo, and he refused and instead offered to summarize its key points. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's got a wow. got a playbook that hasn't changed in thirty years. Um, according to former DOJ legal advisor Ryan Goodman, Barr quote admitted some of the most consequential and incendiary conclusions from the actual opinion, which forced Congress to issue a subpoena to find that opinion. Wow. Which you may notice as with some words switched around, the same thing that happened with the Mueller report. Yep, that's very interesting. So eighty nine, eighty nine. Who were we abducting back then? Uh, Noriega. Manuel Noriega. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Got who it, got I it. think was a cool dude. Yo, let's he was not tight. look into that at all. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, it's funny because like before this, right? Bush was trying to figure out how to get Noriega out, and first was like, yeah. oh, uh, it would be it would be tight if the Panamanians like overthrew him. But you know, I don't want to I don't want to tell him what to do. Yeah. Right. And basically being like, please do something, please do something, please do something. We'll help you. Maybe we won't. And then they failed. There was like yeah. a failed coup attempt, right. and then it got to the point where I'm sure they were just like, oh, "All right, how the fuck do we just like send our fucking people and just right. take this dude? Can we just abduct him?" Yeah, William Barr says yes. Yeah. Now, in 1990, during Barr's first run as Attorney General, the news broke that the Reagan administration had kind of secretly given billions of dollars in loans and military aid to Saddam Hussein. Hmm. Uh, when we went to war with Saddam Hussein, uh, some of Bush's officials doctored documents in order to hide this fact. Six separate congressional investigations were convened to look into the matter. The House Judiciary Committee asked Barr to launch an independent counsel investigation, and he said no, which is the first time that an attorney general ever refused such a request. Huh. Yeah. Wow. So like, already- No, we're not, we're not going to be looking at that. Set new precedents. I yeah. mean, that's the one thing he has a good track record of. William Barr is the homie. <laughs> William, if you if you get him in, he's gonna do like literally whatever you need. You know that episode of Breaking Bad when when Jesse's girlfriend ODs on heroin and mm -hmm. uh, they call in Mike to to clean up the body and yep. everything so that when the cops come, nothing incriminating will be found. William Barr is the that guy of attorney generals. Yeah, he's like Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's the Mike, but with like less. No, with as much dirty work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's good at dirty work. I'll give Far him less likable. Yeah, less likable. William, William yeah. Ermintrout. Because we all we all wound up on Mike's side by the end of Breaking Bad. Uh, but but I'm not on William Barr's side. Yeah, I mean the other thing though, yeah, with the whole 1989 memo was just like the level of how he first said it was like it only has to do with domestic law. Yeah, it was like you don't need it. Doesn't matter because it's just about domestic law. And to know that when they actually got it, they're like, this has to do with. So much more. Yeah, this is this is all like of the UN crimes charters, a thing can be. Yeah. The Fourth Amendment, like all these other yeah. things. 
Yeah, he uh, he left some critical stuff out. And hearing all that, you won't be surprised to hear that Barr's summary of the Mueller report left out some key facts as well, not just key facts about the president. For one thing, it omitted a fascinating little crime drama wherein Eric Prince and Michael Flynn tried to get their grubby little hands on Hillary Clinton's near-mythical 30,000 deleted Clinton emails. Um, This is like one of the most interesting parts of the whole document to me because the the report reveals that Trump essentially repeatedly asked Flynn, General Flynn, to uh, acquire Hillary Clinton's emails for him. And one of the through lines of the report is that Flynn is literally the only loyal person who was ever in Donald Trump's orbit. And so unlike uh-huh. unlike everyone else who works for Trump who is solely interested in themselves, Flynn was like, yeah, I mean, my boss wants the, these emails. I'm going to try and get these motherfucking emails. Um, he just needed someone to give him orders again. He, he loves getting orders. Yeah. yeah. He, he <sighs> loves getting orders. Um, so he worked with a lady named Barbara Ledeen, who was a former GOP staffer. Uh, and she actually managed to get her hands on what she believed was a tranche of Clinton emails. And that's when uh, Michael Flynn teamed up with our old buddy Echo Papa, Eric Prince, uh, and he funded the effort to verify the Clinton emails, which showed that they were, in fact, bullshit made to trick the GOP. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's neat. Yeah. Yeah. Fun little – you, you get a, a fun little 90 minutes of uh, – you know, you cut that into a – yeah. yeah. Um, so as I said, I read the whole report in one like blurred, frenzied eight hour, nine hour, whatever session. I, I'm not a lawyer and I won't pretend to have understood all the different arguments about constitutional law that the report makes that I kind of my eyes glaze over on that. Well, I, that's why you have me here. That's why I have right. you here. Famous constitutional law scholar, <laughs> Miles you. Gray. Um, but it does seem from everything else I read about it that uh, one of the things Mueller makes very clear at the end is that he believes that Trump's status as the president does not make him immune to charges of obstruction of justice. Yeah. yeah and he also makes it clear that the crime of uh, of conspiracy with the Russian government does not have to have been committed for Trump to have committed obstruction of justice by trying to obstruct the whole fucking thing. Right, which right. was the sort of logic yeah. William Barr was using. Yeah, and like that's like the the most repeat like the the refrain if if this is one four hundred page long song like uh like if this is American Pie the uh the 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 refrain of the song the bye bye Miss American Pie line is Mueller saying I'm not saying Trump didn't commit crimes I'm not saying Trump didn't commit <laughs> right. crimes like right. very very clearly and repeatedly huh um yeah that's like one of the most commonly repeated things I know because William Barr. Famous truth teller. He said, well, that the whole conspiracy thing wasn't a crime, so like, how can you obstruct something that's not even a crime? So it's like, you know, he, he was mad at it, Fox, or exactly. at the news, so. It is, it is go. remarkable yeah. how much of it is just like, and this is like Chris Christie repeatedly told Donald Trump, like that's another thing that's in there, is Christie repeatedly saying, just don't do anything. Just don't do anything. Right, right. You didn't collude with the Russian government. Just don't do anything and it'll be fine. And Trump being like, well, fuck Chris Christie. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck does that guy know? It's like, really, it's one of the weird things about this document is the people who come across as like paragons of sanity. And one of them is Chris Christie, which is how you know you're in a low point. (laughs) So, sorry, I'm just going back to the beginning here. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. I felt like we didn't need to read after. I, so I read the New York Post cover that said the Mueller report, Trump clean, no crimes committed, Dem hoax destroyed. And then I read the bar summary. Why would we need to go any deeper than that? I don't Well, I don't know, Jack. Let's talk about that for, okay. let's say, like an hour and a half. Okay. okay. Something like that. Yeah. Deal. All right, uh, let's get into it. So another big reveal uh, concerned the infamous P-tape, uh, first revealed to the public through the much maligned <laughs> Steele dossier. Right. The P-tape was apparently a major subject of discussion among people close to Trump in the weeks before the election. 
two weeks prior to the election, a a Russian businessman texted this to Michael Cohen, quote, Stop the flow of tapes from Russia, but not sure if there's anything else, just so you know, dot, dot, dot. Right. Yeah. Flow yeah. of tapes. Stop yeah, it. the flow of tapes. And this is before the election. This is so two this weeks is, before. Yeah. This is before any anyone uh, out in the yeah. world was talking about tapes. Yeah, BuzzFeed had not dropped. I think um, uh, John McCain had taken the report, had like made a note of the report to the FBI. Right. Because uh, he'd seen it, but like BuzzFeed hadn't dropped it yet. Okay. Um, now, the special counsel apparently talked to this Russian businessman whose name I just cannot pronounce, and I'm not going to try. Yeah, don't worry you about can it. find it. Russian businessman. Uh, Russian businessman who explained to Cohen that these tapes were compromising tapes of Trump's Trump rumored to be held by persons associated with the Russian real estate conglomerate Crocus Group, which had helped host the 2013 Miss Universe pageant in Russia. Uh, this guy insisted that the tapes were fake when he was talked to by the special counsel, so he told the Mueller investigation that the P tapes were faked. But Cohen did not know that at the time. Got it, um, right. So that, that's the most pressing stuff up front. The rest of what I, we have to talk about is going to be a lot less organized because we're basically just going through my raw notes, some of which will be sensible and some of which may not be, since by the end of the read, I was pretty stir-crazy and also very, very inebriated. So this will, <laughs> this will get less logical as we go along. All right. Yeah, yeah I'm looking at that doc. We're using wingdings or webdings font? <laughs> uh, are there other fonts? Oh, Wow. <laughs> Hey, you know what, Rob? Just go on ahead, man. So, uh, Guide us. The, the, the report starts off with what under normal sane circumstances would be a pretty damning sentence. The Russian government interfered in the 2016 presidential election in sweeping and systematic fashion. Um, again, like that's one of the first lines. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but compared to based on everything else, it, 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 it almost doesn't even make an impact. If we were living in a rational universe where uh, the Trump administration was treated like other presidential administrations, mm-hmm. the fact that that is the beginning of the report, and the president has been saying for years, we don't know if Russia colluded, we don't know if it was Russia, and yeah. just constantly Could have been that guy in his mom's equivocating basement. and you know, just standing for Russia, basically. That would be a big story. People would be like, huh, so now he knows, like now we know <laughs> he was wrong, and the Mueller report clearly says that they intervened on his behalf, and he's still lying on their behalf. That's just weird. Yeah, the most the question I had most going through this first part of the report that talks about Russian meddling is just like, this feels like an act of war. Right. <laughs> like, not that I'm in favor of a war with Russia, but like, this feels like a digital Pearl Harbor. Um, and it's pretty, pretty shocking. A lot of this stuff about the Internet Research Agency was out from pre- prior subpoenas and whatnot. But seeing it all put together here is... Um, it's really shocking. The report yeah. makes it clear that the Russians definitely wanted Trump to win and that they took substantial effort to ensure that he did. Uh, it describes the social media campaign that they ran as having favored Trump and disparaged Hillary Clinton. However, quote, the investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities. Um, so the the... The report's also careful to note that in a statement that the investigation did not establish particular facts does not mean that there was no evidence of those facts. So he's saying, we didn't find hard proof that they conspired with the Russian government. However, we did find some evidence that they conspired with the right. Russian government. Just not enough to make it a chargeable yeah. offense. Yeah. He says that specifically in reference to yes. the collusion. Immediately sure. after. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he, okay, ta- speaking about collusion, um, 
In making the report, Mueller applied the framework of conspiracy law to determine whether, quote, collective action of multiple individuals constituted a crime rather than collusion, because as he notes, collusion is not actually a, a crime with a definition under federal criminal law. Right. It's just a word people have been using. Mm-hmm. But like as, in terms of the FBI's job, it's an irrelevant term because like there's no way legally to determine it. Uh, Mueller notes, in connection with that analysis, we address the factual question of whether members of the Trump campaign coordinated a term that appears in the appointment order, which is the order that established the special counsel's investigation, with Russian election interference activities. Now, kind of confusingly, the report notes that coordination doesn't have a definition under federal criminal law either, uh, but they defined coordination as requiring an agreement, tacit or express, between the campaign and the Russian government. So... Like that's sort of the the framework under which Mueller's trying to analyze. Yeah, the goalposts are pretty far right. out. Yeah. yeah, the goalposts are far out, and it's surprising how many field goals they still kick. Yeah, <laughs> does that make does that make sense? Yeah, you sports nailed wise, that. Sports wise, it? okay, yeah. good, good, good job, man. I don't uh, go Red well, Sox. Uh, yeah, no, nice. Uh, well done. <laughs> the Red Sox Nymets are indeed a football team. Are my favorite squadron, uh, and it. It's how many uh, field goals they kick and uh, make. Yeah, they, and they make. have to actually successfully kick the field goals, not just uh, kick them and they're landing 30 yards short. Yeah. Anyways, uh, let's talk about this sports analogy a little bit. <laughs> um, so under this definition, they did not find coordination between the campaign and the Russian government. Uh, in other words, Russia helping the Trump campaign win and the Trump campaign knowingly taking their help which is documented, did not count as coordination because there was no tacit or express agreement to interfere with the election behind it. Right. It's one yeah. of those things where it's like they're not saying uh, at Putin, uh, Putin at Russia.gov yeah. uh, or dot .ru. Sorry. I have more respect. Uh, with subject headline, hey, when do we want to drop the emails? Yeah. This is what I'm thinking. Because, yeah, it's really tough when more, more or less it was just sort of like, I think the Russians are kind of help hooking it up. Yeah, and it was yeah, it was just more just quiet like, about it. we know that these documents were hacked by someone. We know they're going to be released through WikiLeaks. A lot of people are saying it's Russia. Trump just keeps saying, I don't think it's Russia. But we know the documents are going to release, right. and we're planning weeks ahead of time how we're going to exploit what we know is going to come out in the releases. Mm-hmm. But because it's, it's not it's not Vladdy Poo picking up the phone and being like, hey, guys, got some documents. Yeah. Like, it's there's there's additional layers of uh, of of obscurement to it. Um, now, there are a couple of cases where it is almost that direct, which we'll get to. Um, so Russia's efforts to influence the election were focused mostly around either the GRU, which is Russian intelligence, or the Internet Research Agency, which is essentially a private company that's also part of the Russian intelligence infrastructure. Now, the IRA, which I will be referring to, even though it's kind of confusing because it's not the right. IRA that yeah. just killed a lady up in Derry, uh, the IRA started its infiltration of the U.S. by sending agents over in 2014. This is implied to be the beginning of their election infiltration efforts, but the details are all redacted out of harm to ongoing matter. Um, so there's a lot that's redacted in, in re- like relation to the IRA. Uh, it notes later in the document, quote, IRA employees traveled to the United States in mid-2014 on an intelligence gathering mission to obtain information and photographs for use in their social media posts. So they were taking pictures of Americans and locations so that they could make more compelling fake people on the internet to pretend to be American activists. That's interesting. That actually happened. Like they didn't yeah. just use Google image search. They yeah. went and took pictures because they knew that it would be possible to trace the images back and 
in know that, yeah. When I think about what I do online, when I suspect someone is like a, a fake person, it's like the first thing you do is do a reverse Google image search. So they right. didn't want that to be possible. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, quote, IRA, the IRA's operation also included the purchase of political advertisements on social media in the names of U.S. persons and entities, as well as the staging of political rallies inside the United States. To organize those rallies, IRA employees posed as U.S. grassroots entities and persons and made contact with Trump supporters and Trump campaign officials in the United States. The investigation did not identify evidence that any U.S. persons conspired or coordinated with the IRA. So they definitely worked with the IRA and supported their efforts, but they thought they were there. There's no evidence they thought they were anything but U.S.-based activists because there were there were even examples of like Trump retweeting through some social media site like one of the IRA's protests that they were like a pro-Trump thing that they were gathering. But there's no necessary way that Trump would have known that they weren't just right. a normal group of his supporters. Yeah, that would have yeah. required him to do more uh, more research into that than anything yeah. he's ever done. Yeah, which, uh, of course, he didn't. Like, right. Yeah. Uh, but, do- I mean, at that point, they're operating in a way that's supposed to come off as sincere as possible. So. Exactly. Right, right. Um, so we get even, like, we, I don't think we needed any more confirmation that Guccifer 2.0 was the GRU and that the, the DNC leaks were part of a Russian government operation, <laughs> but... What? Uh, oh, Miles. Wait, what was Are you that? serious? Yeah, I'm sorry, man. Have you been I thought he was some under I thought he was some again? hacker, dude. In his basement? Yeah, in his mom's basement with his blood <laughs> type of Mountain Dew, Baja Blast. Yeah. Uh <laughs> I mean, they the GRU are big fans of Baja Blast. Yes, yeah. oh, of course. That, that's very well documented. <laughs> uh, so um, it notes that WikiLeaks made its first releases in July of 2016, like within days of candidate Trump announcing that he hoped Russia would recover emails described as missing from a private server. So it like essentially it states very clearly that the GRU, a lot of their hacking efforts to try to get her emails started within a couple of days of Trump saying. Uh, uh, I hope that the Russians get her emails. Like the, he said that, and they started cert, like spear phishing attempts to break into uh, Clinton email accounts. And stuff. Oh, that's new. Yeah, yeah, that is new. They and, started days after. Yeah, he said that it was. I, you know, and I didn't take down the exact length of time, but I think it was within like forty-eight hours. It was very Holy close. Shit. Oh, so it's not like so. You, you, yeah, bef- yeah. Before you could have thought, well, this is probably ongoing. Rather yeah. than yeah. like he literally said, "Hey." Let me get the email. I hope like, you should do that. I've and always, they started spear phishing. I've always er. thought people pointing to that. Part like him saying that in a speech as like evidence that he was coordinating or trying to coordinate with Russia. I've always taken that as like, yeah, but he was like clearly just doing his Trump thing and up there riffing and shit like that. But it seemed like that's crazy that they were like, yes, yes, sir. Yes, your honor. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, uh, uh, yeah, it, 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 it was it was pretty nuts um well i think yeah i, I guess no, the, the even D- if there isn't if you don't think it's they were in direct contact it was definitely that like that was information they needed to be like oh okay this is this it, will help it, right it, yeah it's it's worth noting that they had penetrated the dnc in june so before trump ever said anything they had already started getting emails and stuff right. from the dnc but they suspicious they like specifically started spear phishing which is essentially when you send out a bunch of emails to like people whose accounts you want to compromise mm-hmm. that have things that if they click like it might it'll allow yeah, you Yeah, but like oh log in because uh your bank yeah. account and then it's a website I created. Yeah, so they started targeting Clinton aides and people like associated with Hillary Clinton um on a wider scale immediately after that. So like that's one of the more damning things that's in the whole report, um, even though that's obviously not necessarily evidence of coordination, no. because it's possible and, in fact, probable that what happened is Trump speaking out of his ass because it sounded good and tough, 
and the Russians being like, yeah, we we can do more of that. Right. Why not? Sure, sure. Um, but is also pretty damning in a normal political environment. Yeah, I mean- don't care about stuff like that. I mean, it's very easy for him to say that speaking out of his ass because he was just in three meetings where people were like, damn it, it would be really great for our campaign if we had the Clinton emails. And he just goes out there and like says it out of his ass. And yeah. they're like, ooh, we probably shouldn't say that. But yeah. he can because he's a fucking clown. Yeah. And the Russians are like, got it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, that's... The court, it is effectively coordinating, even if it's not like the legal definition of them like getting on the phone or like legally, uh, you know, something that we can prove. Yeah. Well, but he would have to know that the Russians were going to do that and that was all part, like that it was all coming from there, right? Right. Rather than like sort of subconsciously expressing a desire that they could pick up on. I guess the reason coordinating is so dangerous is because you're, you know, bringing like one person's illicit like plan to attack the Democrats into like alongside yours. That's why the like sharing, pulling information and like strategic information that Manafort did is so, you know, that is so significant because that's what makes it particularly effective is you're, you know, targeting the same areas, the same types of people. And I mean, obviously Trump wanted her email. So it's just... Yes, like it, it doesn't technically uh, rise to the level, but like when you're looking at like what we need to keep a sane uh, electoral process, like not being able to jokingly tell somebody to help your campaign by doing an illegal thing, yeah, is probably should be something we take into account. We should we should make that be uh, illegal in the future. <laughs> right. it, it seems like a gap in our current, uh, because 60 years ago, that wouldn't have really been a thing people could do. And now it is. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, Sophie's giving me the two fingers sign, oh, which means- well, screw you too. Uh, it's time for ads. You guys are better at transitions. Yeah, no, that someone, was amazing. Someone got a better one? No, I actually got freaked out when you did that. Oh, good. <laughs> are your ads haunted? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Ooh. By these yo, ghosts. That'd be cool. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind, like... How much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. 
with the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. We're back. So uh, one of the things the report makes really clear is what a staggering success the Internet Research Agency's influence campaign was. Uh, Facebook at all were no in no way prepared for this and were essentially perfect victims. Quote, Instagram accounts had hundreds, or IRA Instagram accounts had hundreds of thousands of U.S. participants. IRA-controlled Twitter accounts separately had tens of thousands of followers, including multiple U.S. political figures who retweeted IRA-created content. In November 2017, a Facebook representative testified that Facebook had identified 470 IRA-controlled Facebook accounts that collectively made 80,000 posts between January 2015 and August 2017. Facebook estimated that the IRA reached as many as 126 million persons through its Facebook accounts. In 6th of January 2018, Twitter announced that it had identified 3,814 IRA-controlled Twitter accounts and notified approximately 1.4 million people Twitter believed may have been in contact with an IRA-controlled account. Um, so, in just keeping all that in mind, the 126 million people who were, uh, reached by Facebook, like IRA controlled Facebook accounts alone, I want to note that according to Vanity Fair, uh, there's a great Vanity Fair article titled, You Could Fed All the Voters Who Cost Clinton the Election in a Mid-Sized Stadium, um, noting that the three states that cost Clinton the victory, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, were lost by a margin of 79,000 votes. So when we're talking about whether or not Russian influence peddling could have had a significant impact on the outcome of the election, the f- they reached 126 million people through Facebook. The election yeah. came down to 79,000 votes. Right. And that's where the yeah. the part where Manafort exchanging information with Konstantin Kalimnik yep. is so damning, yeah. too, because they go, oh, no collusion. Well, you have this person. That is the most damning yeah. thing in terms of the campaign. He right. is yeah. the manager of the campaign at the time, right? Yeah. Sharing internal polling data and strategy. And also saying these are the battleground states we're really focusing on because we think the Clinton campaign is actually taking some of these states for granted, or as the media said, or just not putting as much investment in those states. 
And they're like, oh, and we've also and like and from there identifying the Clinton defector demographic of voter mm-hmm. who they especially needed to get to, because once you get those people to vote third party or for Trump, great. Yeah. Now you've actually you're whittling down the margins. And again, like you say, when it comes to something as just under 80,000 people, uh, yeesh. Now, Reb Evans, uh, I have a question for you. The um. Why why does he why would Mueller like he acknowledges the thing that we're talking about right the Konstantin Kalimnik uh, Manafort like connection Oh that, yeah he's very explicit about that So why did that because one of the critiques that I've seen uh the likes of Glenn Greenwald uh bring Ugh. is that how like do you believe that they didn't come up with one single indictment of somebody for Russia Russian collusion why does that not rise to the level of collusion? Well, because collusion or, or, sorry, is not a critical criminal term. Right. Um, sorry. Why does that yeah. not rise to the level of uh, criminal conspiracy with Russia? Uh, yeah, it's, that's that's a great question. I guess some of it is because, like, is it? It's not illegal to share polling data right. with somebody. Like he wasn't Manafort was giving this guy polling data. He was not in return getting a promise. We're going to have this agency that you. Might, may not even know exists at this point, attack these battleground right. states to try to shift voters. Right. There's nothing illegal about a guy giving like information as the campaign head. He had control over. He could right. share that with whoever and he Constantine wanted. And Konstantin Kalimnik was not like next door to Vladimir Putin at the time working for him or whatever. So the, maybe, did, did they have a direct connection between yeah, they, Kalimnik they, they and- did. He, he, Kalimnik and Putin had a direct connection. Okay. Um, and the intelligence agencies were yeah. enough to be like, we consider this person to be part and, of the intelligence intelligence apparatus. Part of what Manafort is in jail for is related to this, the, acting as an unregistered foreign agent. Um, now, that's not as a re- result of him sharing data with Kalimnik, but as other results of things he did with Kalimnik, because he was also talking with Kalimnik about essentially establishing a peace plan that would have given Russia backdoor control of eastern Ukraine. So one of the things Manafort was doing while he was giving this data to Kalimnik was being like, and we'll establish a peace program that gives Russia a large chunk of Ukraine uh, in exchange for better relations with Russia. Like, that was a thing he was working on at this time. And that's a lot legally shadier uh, ground to stand on. But some of that's still ongoing in terms of, like, the the investigation and whatnot. And one of the things that Manaf- or that uh, Mueller repeatedly notes is that uh, it's hard to say exactly what crimes Manafort did or didn't commit because he lied about everything and deleted my, all of his text messages and we didn't get them all. Got like, it. that's a repeated comment that Mueller makes is that like there might be more here but we just don't have all of the information from Manafort because he lies constantly and deleted everything right yeah based on um, beans. based on your reading of the Mueller report do you would you guess that Mueller thinks that Russian intervention swung the election or uh, is he taking that idea fair, seriously enough to say that he definitely thinks it's a possibility it, I would say that everything that's in the report says it's definitely a possibility. He does not go as far as saying this right. swung like that, and that's outside of the scope of his investigation. But he spends right. probably like a good quarter, maybe twenty percent, if if it's lower, of the of the whole report talking about Russian influences actions to swing the election, going in detail about them, about what Manafort did, about what the Internet Research Agency did, about what WikiLeaks did. Wiki he very makes a very clear case that WikiLeaks coordinated directly with the Russian government to release a lot of this stuff. Mm. Like he goes into exhaustive detail about like the, like one of the first half of the Mueller report, part one, is essentially a detailed outline 
of Russian efforts to influence the 2016 election. Um, and I don't see how you can walk away from it thinking anything but that they put a lot of work and money into this. And some of them at least believe there's even a statement from some guy close to Putin saying Putin won after Trump won the election. In the Mueller report. In the Mueller there's report. There's a statement. Yeah. So I would say, and I, I, you know, I can't get inside Bob Mueller's head, but he definitely takes the possibility seriously because he spent like 100 pages talking about it. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I do want to talk a little bit more about the Internet Research Agency. There's another little line a little bit further down that talks about how those four IRA employees snuck into the country. Uh, they lied and pretended to be four friends who'd met at a party who just wanted to visit the U.S., which I, I, I <laughs> I'm sorry. thought was cute. Have you have you actually seen times when like Russian spies have gone abroad to like do recon and stuff? How obvious they look? Well, some people just want to look at some cathedrals, but, Miles. Yeah, yeah. remember who those does, guys who doesn't like a nice cathedral in England who were like had the most the like, guys who poisoned for the for the listeners yeah. the guys who poisoned several people in Russia when they were tracked down by members of the site that I write for, Bellingcat, uh, and were found to have been agents of the GRU. They claimed to be tourists who were just there to uh, look at cathedrals. And they looked like comic book versions of, yeah. like, Russian, like, goon. Yeah, like, they, like, like the most just, hard, like, chiseled faces. They Their expressions were so, like, angry. And you couldn't for a second be like, oh, these are cathedral enthusiasts. Like, these are... These people just with their scowls look like they're up to no good. They were either Russian spies or soccer hooligans and nothing else. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. they were not oh my so I can't believe like coming here, they're like, uh, and your purpose for your visit? We are friends, friends who met at the party. party want to look at the United States. Want <laughs> oh. to see cathedrals. Um what's in your backpack? Camera and sweater. Those look like chair legs. No. Is for my marionette class. I must make here. I must go. Uh, yeah, just like a wild... Because th- yeah. that was the one thing that really surprised me about the... Because it was what, Sergei Skripal, right? That yeah, was yeah, those yeah. guys. When you saw those photos, like they're not even trying. They're yeah. actually not even trying. Yeah, like you feel, I feel like the people at the border could like... I don't know. I guess this gets into profiling, but like, so you guys are clearly Russian spies. Right. I'm like, why is your friend folding up a frying pan with his bare hands behind you as he looks at me? Like... like like they, like they, if there was a shooting and I was near one of those guys, I would dive behind their forehead for cover because it was clearly thick enough to stop bullets. Oh my goodness, yeah. it's like, freaky. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and easy. Could, you, you think like with the way some people finesse things, like with the way Kim Jong uh, Un's brother was taken out, mm-hmm. like they had those people swarm a women with poison needles. Right. Good plan. Right, or just like trying to bring in weird people to be like, oh, it's a prank show or whatever. I don't know if they actually still believe that or that was yeah. a cover or whatever, but. If you just need photos, right? You yeah. could easily just send you're like, oh, my cousin's studying abroad. Just make sure you get all the pictures off the SD card when they yeah. get back. But, yeah. you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Why am I trying to do their job better for Don't them? do that. <laughs> Don't, I mean, you know, Miles, when this when this whole podcasting game falls apart, I do think you have a future as a Russian contracting spy agent. I'm like, hey, Poots, babe, let's talk, man. I'm like, you, Bubby, you got this thing all the way turned around, man. I'm Future like, as a Russian spy, you should see his past. Oh, boy. I had to hire this guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> wow. Hey, but it stopped the flow of tapes, didn't it? It did, it did stop the flow of tapes, uh, the fake tapes. Oh yeah, I'm yeah yeah yeah. The flow deep, of deep tapes takes. of flow. <laughs> um. Okay. So uh, and not the progressive. <laughs> she was my person. improv teacher. Hey. Um, Stephanie Courtney. So, uh, 
there's a uh, there's fun lines in the report that are partially redacted. One that says the focus on the U.S. presidential campaign continued through 2016 and redacted. Uh, 2016 internal redacted reviewing the IRA-controlled Facebook group Secured Borders, the author criticized the lower number of posts dedicated to criticizing Hillary Clinton and reminded the Facebook specialist it is imperative to intensify criticizing Hillary Clinton. Um, just very direct. A lot of It's interesting to me how much information the Mueller report has on what's going on here, and a lot of it's redacted. So once we get a full version, I expect we're going to, like, there's a lot in here about the journalists who worked with WikiLeaks, um, and I'm really interested to see some of those conversations when they're inevitably revealed. Right. Because um, that's one of the things that- Those are redacted? Yeah, I think, I mean, we don't know what's redacted, but it talks about at other points that journalists, American journalists worked with WikiLeaks and were given access to the leaks ahead of time. WikiLeaks was getting the leaks directly from the GRU um and from you know as guccifer so like there's i'm interested in in the form those conversations took because i right. suspect some of those journalists kind of knew what was going on right so yeah. who was coordinating with a facebook expert there that was the... a that was a, a ira agent like talking okay. with an a, one of their facebook experts one of the yeah. ira's facebook yeah yeah, yeah. that's an internal conversation where they're talking about you know we have to intensify criticizing isn't that content. funny when your job is like you get an email from your manager it's like hey we talked about this man yeah, right. We got to ramp up the Hillary Clinton stuff, right? And then your job is to go back and be like, "Oh man, she sucks." I mean, I can't believe she's destroying this country. Like, yeah. Really, <laughs> now, such a bizarre sitcom. Most of the IRAs groups were like pretty, pretty hardline conservative, pro-Trump, but they actually kind of spun the gamut. There was everything from being like their Facebook groups had names like "Being Patriotic," "Stop All Immigrants," "Secured Borders," and "Tea Party News," but also had names like "Black Matters," "Blacktivist," and "Don't Shoot Us." Uh, there was an LB- LGBT United group, uh, and then like religious groups like United Muslims of America. All were actually IRA uh, Facebook groups. With- Blacktivist was pretty big. Yeah, Blacktivist was very big. He and they they carried out rallies and stuff that yeah. got sizable numbers of people. And they were pushing the anti-Hillary, like Hillary Clinton's racist line, to try to get black voters to stop supporting her. Um, now it's noted in here, like there was a lot of shit last year, I think when it came out that the internet research agency, had spent a hundred thousand dollars on 3,500 Facebook advertisements. Um, one of the things that's really clear from the Mueller report is that they really didn't need to do that. Uh, most of their engagement seems to have occurred organically without the need to put any money down to amplify things at all. Like that was almost more icing on the cake, like just the way that social media is structured. Right. right. They didn't need to spend money. Why? Because they were creating fake news. Yeah. Fake news. And uh, that uh, was, that was like they, it's easy to, if you just get to write fiction and pretend it's fact, yeah. you can create viral something that's going to go viral because yeah. you just say, the Pope said, fuck Hillary Clinton. Yeah. People, Catholics are going to want to read about that. Yeah, Hillary Clinton's going to kill your babies. It's controversial. It's something that gets people angry. And then, like, your job's already done for you. You don't need to spend that money. Like, they did in some cases, but it doesn't seem like it was even all that necessary. But that is one of the top uh, rebuttals I hear from conservatives or even moderate people who are like, this whole thing's a witch hunt. Yeah. Is, well, you're telling me 30-something thousand dollars of Facebook money is what swung this election? And it's like, no, it was the constant churn of like fake stories that were wish fulfillment for anybody who like thought about supporting Trump. 
Yeah. Uh, one thing that's really clear is that the IRA was a big push behind Hillary Clinton for prison 2016. That hashtag, like that was one of the Hillary big for things. prison. Yeah, that was one of wow. the big things they pushed. That's I think Infowars started shirt. it, but like they really. Oh, gotcha. They really pushed it. Um, that's one of the things they spent money to push, hmm. um, especially around the uh, the the RNC and the DNC. Um, so. The IRA efforts were two-pronged, and they created a number of fake persons and groups, uh, obviously to like act as American citizens who were activists, but they also operated a sizable botnet, which would give these fake people the impression of being real. Uh, it notes that uh, numerous high-profile U.S. persons, including former Ambassador Michael McFall, Roger Stone, Sean Hannity, Michael Flynn Jr., retweeted or responded to treats, tweets posted by IRA-controlled accounts. So, yeah. again... Um, they had a lot of success holding rallies. Uh, they would put uh, U.S. media in touch. Like, they would basically start a rally, get dozens or hundreds or thousands of people to confirm that they were attending. Then they would find an actual American volunteer to act as a coordinator and make an excuse about how they had to be out of the state during the rally. Uh, and then they would put media in touch with the person who'd volunteered to be the coordinator to make it seem like it was a legitimate grassroots effort. Um, the first such rally they executed was actually in November of 2015, and it was a Confederate rally. That was the name of the uh, the event. Um, these rallies continued after the 2016 election. There's one example of one of the posters here, which I actually think I saw during the election. It's a Miners for Trump ad uh, for a Miners for Trump rally, and that was an IRA rally. Wow. Yeah. I definitely saw that ad. Yeah. Not children. No, no, no. Like coal miners. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's 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 pretty wild. One of their groups was Black, or one of their fake people was uh, named Black Fist, which was purportedly an African American, like trying to teach other Black people how to uh, protect themselves from law enforcement. Um, they were really focused on BLM because mm-hmm. it was controversial and because it was something people argued about and fought about on the internet. Right, and they it, knew if they created one like incident that involved Black Lives Matter, like the right-wing media would do the rest. Yeah, that seems to have been a huge uh, part of their goal. Um, yeah, uh, so I'm not going to g- go into uh, detail on every time the Trump campaign promoted IRA-created material, but the report notes that in total, Trump campaign affiliates posted d- promoted dozens of tweets, posts, and other political content created by the IRA. Huh. So that's cool. And again, not coordination. Uh, Not coordination in the legal sense. It's of just synergy, word. man. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Synergy, yeah. man. It's just two people working at parallel purposes. And that's the thing with conspiracy. Like, you need that agreement ahead of time. Right. You know? Yeah. So it's like it's defined what it is rather than being like, yeah, we want the same thing. We'll let right. this thing happen. Yeah. Now, uh, that's one chunk of Russia's efforts. The other chunk were carried out by the GRU, uh, which is, again, Russian intelligence. Um, and those are the people who did the DNC hacks. They did the spear phishing that got them access to, like, uh, a bunch of Hillary Clinton-related emails and stuff. Um, so they had there were a couple of different GRU departments that did this. One of the things I found interesting is that the GRU carried out a moderately-sized Bitcoin mining operation in order to buy the computer infrastructure they used to hack the DNC. Oh, so that's huh. cool. Yeah. <laughs> Neat. They, oh, so they were just, like, had a bunch of computers running to get as much Bitcoin to fund their yeah. other computer? Yeah, yeah. Was Bitcoin wasn't Bitcoin like a penny stock at that time? Like wasn't it really low? It was it was no, it was worth more than that. It was in the hundreds, I think, at least. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um so yeah, the uh the spear phishing campaign was incredibly successful in netting the GRU access to John Podesta's emails as well as tens of thousands of other messages from uh, other campaign staffers. The GRU began planning the releases of this content at least as early as April nineteenth, two thousand sixteen. 
which is when uh, one GRU unit registered the domain dcleaks.com uh, and then anonymized the registrant. They paid for the registration using Bitcoin that they had mined. Hmm. Um, so that's cool. Um, yeah. Uh, so we'll get we'll get into the rest of this. Uh, but first, you know what's better than Bitcoin? Products. Uh huh. Services. Money is better than no no spending. Th- yeah. Uh huh. Yes. Where am I? Uh. Capitalism. I'm not as good at the answer to that, Miles. I'm not as good at the you ad are in plugs capitalism. as you guys. Oh no! See, this is why I was I was trusting one of y'all to do the ad plugs, but you. Hey guys, we're gonna take a quick break to tell you about right, some sicko no, products. No, Jack, do it like bro. one of our ads, real quick. Okay. Uh, one of our ads. Yeah. Hey, Miles. Huh? Uh, <laughs> it's me, Jack, from work. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Uh, go go listen to some ads. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... 
Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. And we're back. Wow. Great ads. That was sick, man. Great lead into the ads. Let's talk about Roger Stone. So Roger Stone is notable in the Mueller Report for his absence uh, because he's not really in the Mueller Report, but he clearly is because there's a bunch of redacted stuff like, oh, y'all are talking about Roger Stone now. One of those places is talking about the communication between the GRU uh, in the persona of Guccifer 2.0 with a Trump campaign member, well, a former Trump campaign member, who's, again, clearly Roger Stone. So I'm going to read a selection of that, which is, again, in the middle of a bunch of very redacted stuff. In early August 2016, redacted, Twitter suspension of the Guccifer 2.0 Twitter account. After it was reinstated, GRU officers posing as Guccifer 2.0 wrote, redacted, via private message, thank you for writing back. Do you find anything interesting in the docs I posted? On August 17th, 2016, the GRU added, please tell me if I can help you anyhow. It would be a great pleasure to me. On September 9th, 2016, the GRU, again posing as Guccifer 2.0, referred to a stolen uh, Democratic campaign document posted online and asked, Roger Stone probably, what do you think about the info on the turnout model for the Democrats' entire presidential campaign? Roger Stone probably responded, pretty standard. The investigation did not identify evidence of other communications between probably Roger Stone and Guccifer 2.0. So, there's a lot of talk between Roger and Guccifer. Right. Um, but he's saying the information you got us is pretty standard. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. It ain't shit. It ain't shit. Um, but there's still an ongoing investigation there, which... Uh, is, that's the stuff they could show you. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. That's the stuff that they were able to show you. Um, now, if there's any chance you still thought Julian Assange was anything but a partisan hack, uh, here's something he wrote to his colleagues in November 2015. That's in the Mueller report. We believe it would be much better for GOP to win. Dems plus media plus liberals would then form a block to rein in their worst qualities. With Hillary in charge, GOP will be pushing for her worst qualities. Dems plus media plus neoliberals will be mute. She's a bright, well-connected, sadistic sociopath. Julian Assange. Mm. Talking about Hillary Clinton. Talking about Hillary Clinton. Which might be an accurate description of Hillary Clinton, but... uh... Sadistic seems weird, because she would be more interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's probably yeah. true. I'm going to guess anyone who rises to her level in politics has a little bit of sociopath in them, right? But, uh, but I feel like any career politician, yeah, yeah. Little, you got to have a little bit. Of I that just, sociopath. yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if she had like some small German children tied up in her basement that she just like stuck pins <laughs> wow. in every once in a while. Just Pizza to, like, Gate on us here, Jack. Jesus, just <laughs> saying, like. I, probably not in her basement, but maybe like a secret bunker that she walks to in the woods. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to say that, but I can <laughs> see where I can see where her like dislike for Hillary Clinton, Ken, Assange's, yeah, yeah, where where that can come from. I mean, he also hated Obama. He right? sure did. And but the fact that he's like, yeah, but we want GOP doesn't really make sense because they seem to violate everything that he. <sighs> And he was very Advocates wrong about it. their worst excesses being reined in. Yes. That's right. part of what I find interesting there is like, yeah, that's not how that worked out. Yeah. You <laughs> think he convinced himself of that or was just lying to convince others of that? I think he might have. It's hard to say with Julian Assange. Right. Um, we, we do know from the document that WikiLeaks and Guccifer 2.0 co- cooperated consistently and effectively to derail the Clinton campaign. 
Um, they were in constant conversation. WikiLeaks sent them a message on July 6th, 2016, through Twitter saying, if you have anything Hillary-related, we would want it in the next Twio, which is, he misspelled two, days, <laughs> prefab, preferably, uh, because the DNC is approaching and she will solidify Bernie supporters behind her after. Guccifer 2.0 responded, okay, I see. WikiLeaks explained, we think Trump has only a 25% chance of winning against Hillary, so conflict between Bernie and Hillary is interesting. So again, Julian Assange coordinating directly with Russian intelligence to try to d- drive a wedge between Bernie voters and Hillary Clinton. Hmm. Yeah. Um, now, the Seth Rich stuff is by far the most disgusting thing in here, and yet another reason uh, that I am very angry at Julian Assange. Um, the report makes it incredibly clear that after Seth Rich had died, when he was receiving documents on the DNC leaks, he was lying in public press announcements and essentially saying it might have been Seth Rich. Um, so again, this is, and again, he's getting all of his information after Seth Rich is already dead. So he mm-hmm. knows it can't be Seth Rich. So on August 9th, 2016, the WikiLeaks Twitter account posted, announce WikiLeaks has decided to issue a U.S. $20,000 award for information leading to conviction for the murder of DNC staffer Seth Rich. On August 25th, Assange was asked in an interview, why are you so interested in Seth Rich's killer? He responded, we're very interested in anything that might be a threat to alleged WikiLeaks sources. The interviewer responded to Assange by saying, I know you don't want to reveal your source, but it certainly sounds like you're suggesting a man who leaked information to WikiLeaks was then murdered. Assange replied, if there's someone who's potentially connected to our publication, and that person has been murdered in suspicious circumstances. It doesn't necessarily mean the two are connected, but it's a very serious matter. That type of allegation is very serious, and it's taken seriously by us. So just to give everybody yeah. context, this is referring to a right-wing conspiracy theory that yeah. this uh, DNC staffer who was murdered in D.C. during the election uh, they started the conspiracy theory that he was the one who WikiLeaked the documents. Yeah. That uh, he was the DNC leaker and was murdered by Hillary was Clinton. Was murdered by Hillary Clinton. And Assange stoked that conspiracy theory, uh, which is number one, and fathomably cruel to Seth Rich's family, right. at a point at which he knew it was not Seth Rich. Yeah. Right. Because he was getting, he was communicating with these people and getting these documents well after Seth Rich was dead. Right. Very obvious to him where this had all come from. We know that for a point of fact, he was lying and stoking a, a bullshit about the the murder of Seth Rich in order to uh, hurt Hillary Clinton. That seems right. to have been the primary yeah, just fan goal the of flames that. even more. Yeah, which is the most, in a document full of despicable things, might be the most despicable thing in the entire Mueller report. Yeah, which, especially which, uh, like with, yeah. Congrats, with, Julian. <laughs> what his family's gone through and yeah. just becoming this, like, biz, like just taking this person's murder for this political narrative and... Oh. Almost yeah. unspeakably evil. Yeah. With regards to um, the Trump campaign's collu- er, uh, c- uh, conspiring yeah. with um, coordination. coordination with WikiLeaks. So one of the details that we talked about on uh, the Daily Zeitgeist uh, last week or a few days ago was that if the Trump campaign had been coordinating with WikiLeaks and WikiLeaks like, or if they had been co- doing what they did with WikiLeaks to uh, Guccifer, like if they weren't that one step removed, then it would have been a criminal conspiracy. Like, do you think they were working with WikiLeaks knowing that WikiLeaks was one step removed and that protected them politically and that's why they were going through WikiLeaks as opposed to just going directly to the source? I don't think that they knew. I don't think they ever thought. I don't even know if they ever thought about it. They just huh. knew that WikiLeaks had this stuff. Like, 
in in you know in defense of the Trump campaign, uh, it's entirely possible they just thought WikiLeaks had damning information that right. they had gotten from one of their usual sources and right. had no idea. Now later on, especially in the uh, the after election period, it becomes very clear that it was the Russians. And Trump continues to deny that it was the Russians, even as his advisors are being like, it was definitely the Russians. Right. Um, but they were like, it, it, the, they, they didn't necessarily, like the Trump campaign didn't necessarily know that WikiLeaks was getting all their stuff from the Russian government. WikiLeaks almost certainly knew what was going on. Right. Julian yeah. Assange is not okay. a dumb, dumb dummy. Um, yeah. And just I, since you bring it up, and maybe we'll get to this later, but the Trump continuing to deny that it, the hack was Russia, does that fall within the scope of Mueller's report? Um, yeah, I mean, it's in there. It's in he there. He continued to deny, like, even after it became very clear that there was Russian involvement. Yeah, that that's included in a couple yeah, of different what, points. Yeah, from what Hope Hicks told him, it was because he just could not stand the idea of people trying to delegitimize the election. His election, got and it. And because, cause, you know, because everything about him is fake. Right. So his wealth, he can't show you his tax returns because right. he's not actually wealthy. And he doesn't want to get into it because then that'll expose him. If he even acknowledge, I don't think he, for out of self preservation, he might not even being able to acknowledge that's what it is, because it's like I I, I did no, I, of course I didn't get help from the Russians, yeah. I did it myself. Oh, I, I found the quote that I had from after Trump made his uh, open call for to the Russian government to hack uh, uh, Hillary Clinton's email. He said, "Russia, you know, please get us her emails." Mm -hmm. This is what the Mueller report says, word for word. Within approximately five hours of Trump's statement, GRU officers targeted for the first time Clinton's personal office. After candidate Trump's remarks, Unit 26165, which is the unit of the GRU that was doing this, created and sent malicious links targeting 15 email accounts at the domain, including an email account belonging to Clinton to Clinton aid. The investigation did not find evidence of earlier GRU attempts to compromise accounts hosted on this domain. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. The, the, the Mueller report is incredibly direct about that. Right. Yeah. Um, so... That's cool. why it's total bullshit. Yeah. Which is so funny. Yeah. We went from total exoneration to total bullshit. Right? Yeah. Now, uh, the contacts with campaign, uh, Trump campaign about WikiLeaks section of the Mueller report is heavily redacted. Uh, there's a section in there that's literally, in debriefing with office, former deputy campaign chairman Rick Gates said that a whole paragraph of redacted from harm to ongoing matter. And then Gates recalled candidate Trump being generally frustrated that the Clinton emails had not been found. Paul Manafort, who would later become campaign chairman, an entire paragraph of things is redacted. So, right, yeah. There's again, they may, they the, the the Trump campaign very well may have known who was behind the DNC leaks and stuff. There's right. a lot that's redacted there. Like, who knows what's going on there? Right. Um, I mean, with regards to Trump saying he doesn't know that it's Russia, like he's acknowledging that he got help from somebody. Yeah, he just doesn't want it to be Russia for some reason. Yeah. And he denied that, and he definitely had contact with the people, like, and colluded with the people who had the Russian hacked documents, right. but it wasn't directly with the Russian government. Yeah. Uh, the footnotes about Manafort in the Mueller report are pretty, pretty great. Uh, this, oh, yeah. This version of it appears, like, versions of this paragraph appear multiple times. 
Manafort entered into the plea, a plea agreement with our office. We determined that he breached the agreement by being untruthful in proffer sessions and before the grand jury. We have generally recounted his version of events in this report only when his statements are sufficiently corroborated to be trustworthy, to identify issues on which Manafort's untruthful responses may themselves be of evidentiary value or to provide Manafort's explanations for certain events, even when we were unable to determine whether that explanation was credible. So basically, Manafort lied so much that we couldn't include a lot of what he said because yeah. like, he, there's just nothing you can take out of what he yeah. He's a pro. He's a pro. You know? Yeah. He's a great liar. That's amazing when you're so full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that, someone who's even trying to investigate. Right. Like, I honestly don't even know. Right. Yeah. This motherfucker said so much bullshit. I sus- the former head of the FBI is like, he's so full of shit, I'm almost impressed yeah. that he's still breathing. He did a Yoda voice for an entire <laughs> session once <laughs> and completely <laughs> fucked with me. <laughs> Asshole. You get it. You really get the feeling that Bob Mueller might hate Paul Manafort as much as I do. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, it's it's pretty great. Now, much of the stuff that Trump said to Cohen about WikiLeaks is redacted due to ongoing investigations, which is you know due to the stuff that Manafort said. Cohen and Trump both seems to have talked at length about their communications with Trump about WikiLeaks, uh, but that shit is all black barred. So here's another heavily redacted paragraph. According to Gates, by the late summer of 2016, the Trump campaign was planning a press strategy, a communications campaign, and messaging based on the possible release of Clinton emails by WikiLeaks. Three or so sentences of redacted stuff, and then in the middle of a sentence, while Trump and Gates were driving to LaGuardia Airport, fully redacted sentence, comma, shortly after the call, uh, candidate Trump told Gates that more releases of damaging information would be coming. So, again, might be some direct shit this might be some of that evidence he was said that that they had of direct cooperation or it might be like i don't know or yeah or that it went yeah. through too many channels to get there where it's like well he yeah. thought it was this person was too this much person. was deleted right you know yeah <laughs> but isn't uh, that what michael cohen didn't he say he's like i'll come to the hill and i'll tell ev- i'll tell you everything that yeah. i can tell you that was probably redacted in there yeah yeah mr messy mr messy well i mean look maybe he can get a couple years knocked off his sentence yeah, maybe maybe he can. Um, and maybe his daughter will show up to court with three crutches. This <laughs> <laughs> um, there's stuff about the Trump Tower in Moscow. Uh, most of it's not super in- interesting. It seems like it, it was pretty haphazardly pursued, although it is interesting how directly the Russians wanted to tie the Trump Tower deal to the election. That part is interesting. Like uh, uh, making it the carrot? Was that? That's the carrot on the stick, you mean? Yeah, they, they seem to have tried to. Uh, on November 3rd, 2015, the day after the Trump Organization transmitted the letter of intent, Felix Sater emailed Cohen suggesting that the Trump Moscow project could be used to increase candidate Trump's chances at being elected, writing, Buddy, our boy can become president of the USA, and we can engineer it. I will get all of Putin's team to buy in on this. I will manage the process. Michael, Putin gets on stage with Donald for a ribbon cutting for Trump Moscow, and Donald owns the Republican nomination and possibly beats Hillary and our boy is in. We will manage this process better than anyone. You and I will get Donald and Vladimir on a stage together very shortly. That the game changer. Later that day, Sater up followed up. Donald doesn't stare down. He negotiates and understands the economic issues, and Putin uh, only wanted to deal with a pragmatic leader. A successful businessman is a good candidate for someone who knows how to negotiate. Business, politics, whatever. It is all the same for someone who knows how to deal. So that's really direct offers from Felix Sater, but right. Cohen does not appear to have said, yes, let's crime yeah. in those explicit words. Right. But again... There's like a bunch of offers directly from people connected to Putin to help with the campaign. It's we can just, engineer this. Yeah, we can engineer this. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, it's, you know, they, if you invite it, if you make it clear that you don't 
know that this is wrong, they're just going to keep making offers, keep going. Like yeah. it's it's just going to be nonstop. It's like you know having termites and not taking care of it. It's just gonna they're going to keep feeding on yeah. on the rot until uh, your house falls down around you and your wife gets mad at you. Yeah, and you're on the toilet, but luckily the house <laughs> collapsed neatly around you. Yeah. Now in the report, We've all been there, right, guys? <laughs> I did have a shower collapse on me once. Really? What? Yeah. Yeah. Like the the structure? Yeah, yeah. The the roof of the shower fell on me while I was taking a shower. This is in like a slum I used to live in. I was about to say, like, knowing you, you'd be like, well, it was two hundred. I use the word rent, shower man. very liberally. <laughs> it was great. The we didn't have a roof in the shower for weeks, which was actually okay because it's a shower. So when it's right. raining, it's not the biggest deal in the world. So it was um, Bombay, nineteen sixty two. Yeah. Like, what? what? <laughs> How were you alive? Oh, I'm a Highlander. India just gained independence. <laughs> what? All right. So Cohen does not recall Trump talking directly about the potential impact the uh, the tower project would have ha- have on the election. So he apparently he says he didn't bring that to Trump. But Cohen does recall conversations with Trump in which the candidate suggested that his campaign would be uh, would be a, or that the uh, the tower would be an infomercial or that. The, sorry, Cohen recalled conversations with Trump in which Trump suggests that the camp the political campaign would act as an infomercial for his properties, uh-huh. which is some evidence to the idea that Trump never expected to win yeah i fully believe yeah it it, i I, who knows but that does make me think that might have been part of it right um there was repeated talk of cohen and candidate trump visiting russia but the trip never panned out possibly due in large part to the campaign outside of the tower deal there were numerous attempts made by russians to get trump to attend or speak at the saint petersburg economic forum he turned them all down due to time constraints Joseph Mifsud is a Maltese national and a professor at the London Academy of Diplomacy. He has connections to employees of the Internet Research Agency. Mifsud met our old buddy George Papadopoulos in the spring of 2016 after Papadopoulos had become a policy advisor to the Trump campaign. The two discussed Mifsud's uh, uh, Mifsud's European and Russian connections and had a discussion about Russia. Mifsud offered to introduce Papadopoulos to European leaders and leaders with contact in the Russian government. Uh, And uh, essentially, Papadopoulos went on to repeatedly try to set up a meeting between Donald Trump and the Russian government Right. Um, after these meetings with Mifsud. He continuously tried to do that. It seems that for the most part, he was just trying to increase his value to the campaign by brokering right. a meeting between the two. Right. Like, And there's a lot of that in here where like the most direct collusion is individual members of the campaign trying to get Trump in the room with somebody so that they can increase their value to the campaign, Right. Um, which is, again, the only person associated with Trump during the election who actually was loyal to him was Michael Flynn. That That is made uh, repeatedly clear. Papadopoulos is just trying to get a job after the election. Right. Yeah. It's pretty pretty fascinating. Uh, the most damning evidence of this is Carter Page. He worked for the Trump campaign from January to, se- to September of 2016, becoming a foreign policy advisor in March. He had worked in Russia and lived in Russia before and had direct contact with Russian intelligence officers. Um, he continuously attempted to... Uh, basically push the Russian government line on things like Ukraine in meetings with the Trump campaign and get the Trump team to adopt plans that would be like like reducing sanctions and stuff the Russian government would like. Right. Again, not direct collusion other than like you could say Carter Page was colluding, but like not right. the campaign itself colluding. And um, this is the guy that Republicans are like, they illegally looked into Carter Page and they had no right to do that. Yeah, he was, yeah those FISA warrants, they were uncrimed. Right. He was hard. like overtly yeah. criming and working on clearly working on behalf of Russia and 
the fact that intelligence looked into him doesn't seem that suspicious to no me. it seems like you would be not doing your job if you didn't look into carter page well, that's, Papadopoulos. Yeah, but that's like, what's so mind-blowing about conservatives like they're actually not they're just ignoring the biggest factual thing to start with is that a foreign government yeah. tried to meddle in the way that we elect our president yeah regardless it, of what it, side it, it succeeded. is yeah yeah right. and i think that's they're com- they they completely blow by that to then get it lost in the weeds of like oh uh, Carter Page was really really unfairly targeted or whatever rather than like rather than saying oh my god this is terrible what right. we're not even able to operate on our own as a country to to choose our leaders that's weird yeah right okay so the Trump Tower meeting the actual meeting itself does seem to have really been a nothing burger like the Russians there was absolutely corrupt intent in the planning of it Donald Trump wanted to get information on the campaign directly from the Russian government. Uh But none of that was really communicated during the meeting. It was really just an attempt to get them to talk about the Magnitsky Act. Right. Um, And there's a lot of evidence that corroborates that they kind of got tricked into the meeting. Uh, Kushner, we actually know that Kushner sent a message to Manafort during the meeting calling it a waste of time and then messaged two of his assistants to try to get them uh, to like call, call him so he had an excuse to leave. Oh, um, I love that. Power move. Yeah, power move. But again, there's st- Donald Trump Jr. might get in criminal trouble for this. This might be one of the things. There are 14 ongoing investigations as a result of the Mueller report. We only know what two of them are. And oh, really? a lot of the stuff is redacted around the meeting that might be like, some of it might be because Donald Trump Jr. is being looked at for it. Huh. Um, there's other stuff in the report that makes it seem like Mueller is saying he doesn't think that like it's like Donald Trump Jr. was committing a crime, but can't be charged for it because he didn't really know what he was doing, and there right. was no corrupt intent. Innocent but, by way of stupidity. By way of stupidity, by just like sheer incompetence. Right, um, which doesn't sound like my Donald Trump Jr. No, whose like, father calls him like too dumb to live, basically. and he is. He, right, you know when you see the pictures of him when he's when he's out in the woods hunting. Yeah. Uh, I just wish he never left the woods. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, there goes a dumb guy. And then you read about his actions and you're yeah. like, wow. Oh. Wow. It's even worse. Like, than... how did he just not spontaneously catch fire for no right. reasons? How does he not so forget to keep breathing? Uh, the, so wait, the, the 12 investigations. 14. Right. 14, two that we know about, 12 that we don't. Yeah. Quick maths for you. Like who? Who are who is looking into those investigations? Who's in charge of them? We don't know specifically. Essentially, what the Mueller report says is that while they were doing their investigations, because they were not making prosecutorial judgments here, so this was not about them saying like this document was not about them saying like we found crimes here. But when they found evidence of crimes um, that were outside of the scope of the investigation or that like they weren't pursuing for whatever, they would refer it to other law enforcement agencies. And that happened 14 times. Okay. So the Mueller investigation is over, but 14 criminal investigations are ongoing (laughs) elsewhere in the government as a result of things uncovered in the Mueller investigation. We only know about two of them. Again, that would seem to be a big headline from this report that it kicked off 14 criminal investigations. But you know what? Better than not. That way uh, the right doesn't have time to try and figure out how to smear that. And they're like, yeah. I think it, we're fine because William Barr said so. It's honestly like some of this is kind of the opposite of a Nixon, where like Nixon is this guy who's orchestrating a vast web of crimes and then a cover-up. And Trump may not have committed crimes during the election, uh, but everyone around him did. And then he committed crimes covering it up. That that. Kind of seems like a lot of what happened here is right. like everyone around him was a gross criminal and he was a dumb guy. And then 
even though he wasn't at risk initially, because like he wasn't initially under any investigation at all. And the only reason he personally became under investigation is because of the obstruction of justice. Right. Which is great presidenting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't it funny? Like what if, because it was around Michael Flynn, you know? Right. And if that was the one guy who had his back, like Mm -hmm. to think like in this romantic sense, Trump had Flynn's back. Right. And then caused this all this (laughs) other shit to go down. Yeah. There's a little kernel of sweetness there. Right. right, Because you you do get the feeling that Trump kind of likes Flynn. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. I'm telling you. He's a good guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I catch him crying in the bathroom a lot. The only (laughs) human emotion at the center of this campaign is is the love between Donald Trump and (laughs) Michael Flynn. Flynn. Wow, that's a really good idea. Think about yeah. romance novel cover and Gone with the Flynn. Yeah, yeah. What do you what do you call your listeners? I don't. The bastard, <laughs> you little sons of bitches. <laughs> yeah, sons of bitches. Uh, Zeitgang and bastard lovers. Somebody please make that art. <laughs> yeah, somebody. Huh. The forty percent that, that he does that is, love. That is good. Dance. Yeah, uh, please, someone make that romance art. Somebody make Gone with the Flynn. Because I really, I mean, not that it's totally like that, but if there is a version where Trump kind of gets there is some murky stuff, but really he just like he's like, oh, don't do. He finally, this like is that. his first right. friend. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this exactly. is the first person he's ever done something selfless for. Yeah, right. Yeah. He just thinks of all the times Michael Flynn like sincerely laughed at his shitty yeah. jokes <laughs> and remembers everyone's fake laughter. Right. Yeah. We were going to go fishing in Montana. Well, and he is a general, so yeah. that yeah. does fall into the yeah. category of people Trump is capable of respecting. Yeah. I think that's the only category. That though, might be the only category. Military generals. No, you know what? He really, he really fucking likes the attorney generals who committed uh, crimes to protect their presidents. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Big, he did big, say that. Big fan of, uh, big fan of. Well, I don't know about crimes. Big fan of Bobby Kennedy and yeah. of Eric Holder. Yeah, yeah. So that right. he hmm. that the Mueller report repeats like four or five times. That he's like, "Where's my Bobby Kennedy?" Yeah, exactly. That he says some variation of like Bobby Kennedy protected his brother, like right. uh, Eric right. Holder protected Obama. Which also, there's a part of it where I I wonder if like he's kind of making a like a like a brother statement too, because he's like Kennedy hired his brother. Eric or Obama hired Eric Holder, and it's like, what are you? What are you saying? You know the brothers. Are, are, are you? What, you know are you it getting at like? Right. You yeah. should have seen it. I was in Harlem once. They're they're all brothers. The way they talk. <laughs> like so. the, the way he words it makes me think like there's a little bit of like a little. Bit when of the way racist, that he calls Tim Cook angle. Tim Apple, yeah. so right. he's like brothers. Oh, yeah, brothers. <laughs> it's right. weird. Um, but yeah. Uh, so uh, it should come as no surprise to that. Other than the heavily redacted Roger Stone, the most directly criminal member of the Trump campaign staff, by far was Paul Manafort, right? Who who cannot avoid committing crimes, right? Um, it, like I think he would shut down if he had to stop. <laughs> Um, there's a lot of, yeah, this is, this is where we get to the stuff about, uh, Konstantin Klimnik, uh, like them sharing polling data and whatnot. Um, at a cigar bar, right? At a, you know, it doesn't say in Was the that, or report. that was another one I remember Rick Gates and Manafort went, met with somebody at a cigar I bar. I think Paul Manafort bar. has spent most of his waking hours in cigar bars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he's he, the most carcinogenic thing in the <laughs> right, c- yeah. cigar bar. He makes the cigars around him safer. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, he keeps getting trouble in prison. They're like, are you smoking inmate? <laughs> right. It's just like coming off his pores. He's like, I, no, I just guards just coughing like this. up yeah. blood. <laughs> if he stops committing crimes, he would immediately catch cancer he's, for some. He's like the bus from Speed, but with, right. 
with crime <laughs> federal yeah. law. Yeah. Yeah. I, have to, I have to break 60 laws a minute. Something has to be poisonous about yeah. me. It, it's either my actions or the way my cells are dividing. Oh, yeah. Um, so we already got over a lot of the, uh, the Paul Manafort stuff. There is a great quote in here that I want to read. The office reviewed numerous Manafort email and text communications and asked President Trump about the plan in written questions. The investigation did not uncover evidence of Manafort's passing along information about Ukrainian peace plans to the candidate. This was the plan to give Russia control of eastern Ukraine or anyone else in the campaign or administration. The office was, however, not able to gain access to all of Manafort's electronic communications. In some instances, messages were sent using encryption applications. And while Manafort denied that he spoke to members of the Trump campaign or the new administration about the peace plan, he lied to the office and the grand jury about the peace plan and his meetings with Kalimnik and his unreliability on this subject was among the reasons that the district judge found that he had breached his cooperation agreement. So we don't know that Paul Manafort went to the president and said, we we can work with Russia. They'll help us out if we give them Eastern Ukraine. But Moley goes out of his way to say, I can't say that that didn't happen because Paul Manafort lies about literally everything and deleted all of his communications with the campaign. Right. And this goes back yeah. to the big question that I've always had that I think is one of the strangest details is that, wow... <clears throat> I'm sorry, I got so much. Uh, while Russia is, you know intervening on behalf of the Trump campaign, uh, the Republican uh, platform for at the 2016 RNC suddenly adjusts to in, to incorporate a very pro-Russian stance. Yeah, on, but that was something in the report. the language from lethal aid to, I forget exactly what they used, but they like softened the language of the aid we were providing the Ukrainian government against right. the Russian vaccine. But wasn't there something in the Mueller report that actually said that they couldn't find that strong a connection between the platform change and some kind of direct like uh, stimulation prodding from the Russians? It doesn't say that. It just I'm says to find that, them. like, I, I think it, at least from my recollections, this didn't make it into my notes, but like, they went into a lot of detail about how that changed. And they talk about Manafort's communications with the campaign, but they don't have a smoking gun. That's definitely clear. Oh, just more, I guess the way they summed it up was there were pre- several prominent contacts, but were innocuous. Yeah. It's, it's again, one of those things where like a lot of stuff was deleted. We don't, we don't know what was, what was said there. But also, it could have just been that Paul Manafort was pushing a pro-Russian line on Ukraine. So was, uh, uh, what's his name, Carter Page. So were other people in contact with the campaign. And like it may have been those people repeatedly stating their opinions that caused some of the softening of the campaign, which right. isn't illegal. Yeah. No, know? I mean, it just sounds like there's also, they, yeah. they did a good job of having many ways to create pressure around yeah. it to guide people in a certain direction and they did but a lot they, of good atmospheric pressure creating. So they're saying a lot of people provide like applied pressure and a lot of people were talking peoples. about it. They couldn't say that directly that yeah. there was a, they could actually draw a line to that platform change and some kind of communication with somebody aside from the fact that many people were kind of, but innocuous in is a very strong word, isn't it? Doesn't that mean like not harmful or offensive? So I guess that that could just mean legally, not something. Yeah, that, they just said it, I couldn't really nail something on. Like, right. even though it yeah. looks like that on the surface, like, oh, suddenly there aren't like the platforms right. changing, but they just uh, there weren't those and again, as strong a connection. It, it, as, it points to the nature of this, whatever you want to call it, like whether or not it's a conspiracy. With with you know Nixon, which is our other political touchstone of this kind of corruption, it was very much emanating from the center, whereas the corruption here was all pushing towards Trump who appears to have just been kind of focused on improving his brand and shouting at people, 
and like where, whereas the Russians would were reaching out to everyone around him. Yeah. And a lot of those individual people did stuff that was unethical or straight up criminal as a result of the Russians reaching out to them. Um, but it was not a coordinated effort between the campaign and Russia. Interesting. Um, and so rather than one gigantic crime, it was a million kind of tiny half crimes. Yeah. Right. That create one big that created one feeling big crime of a crime. And wouldn't have created a crime in regards to Donald Trump, although again, you know, it's possible that he had some criminal com- contact with Manafort, like which again the document sp- but like the crime was specifically started in large part when Trump was like started obstructing the hell out of some justice, which is why he wasn't under investigation until that point. Right. Um, because of his love for Michael Flynn. Because of his, his deep and honestly God, heartwarming so bro- love. They're bros. <laughs> to hear that, like, especially when everyone else is such a snake. Yeah. That somehow Michael the, Flynn. The, the one person and lo- capable and of loyalty. And so shit out of luck, too, in <laughs> yeah. all of this, too. Like, right. he's fucked. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's got no money. Yeah. His, like, his son is like, come on, man. Yeah. Your fucking dad. <laughs> like, even Donald Trump's like... He's a good man, you know. Yeah. I just really hate to see this happen. To One him. of the great love you stories do, of our you time. You do hate Flynn less than everyone else involved in this, and I say that as someone who deeply dislikes Michael Flynn. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, no, no, that's what's so f- odd about it all. Too. There's at least a kernel of like redeeming human loyalty in Michael Flynn. Right. And he was so direct absent. talking to Russians yeah. too. He's like, "I'll do it. <laughs> like, I'll do it. I'll do the work I got to do." Yeah. Um, but he was also trying to get rich too. So, so can't feel that bad. So he. He also was let off fairly easy for somebody who was like directly undermining. Yeah, right? like he's not gonna get anything close to the worst penalty that comes out of this. That'll hopefully be Manafort and ought to be Manafort. Right. Yeah. Um, and like the thing is, like Flynn wasn't involved long enough to get at that too point too much yeah. criming done because it was yeah. mostly all of his interactions with the ambassadors yeah. and like being and, a Turkish yeah. agent and those other things that he's mostly in trouble for yeah and being just a good solid bro good solid bro you know so uh, it's speaking of people who are caught committing crimes that are evidenced of in the Mueller report let's talk about Eric Prince hey my oh. favorite so Eric Prince testified to Congress that he met with Kirill Dimitriev only once during his trip to the Seychelles where they talked about uh stuff yeah they wanted to do um so uh the he testified that he only met once the Mueller report uh reveals that they met on two separate occasions including one in which he attempted to get the russian government to change uh the course of an aircraft carrier and send it away from libya so that they wouldn't interfere with things that were going on in libya uh which is again evidence that paul or that eric prince uh lied to congress about the extent of his conversations with Kirill dimitriev um, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, also, that Steve Bannon seems to have been the guy orchestrating the whole meeting and that Bannon seems to have get, been giving Eric Prince his marching orders. However, uh, Prince deleted all of his text messages, and so we don't know the exact extent of what Bannon was ordering him to do mm-hmm. um, or what they were asking to talk about. Um, so again, uh, probably something shady with Bannon there. Um, although one... Part of it is that Bannon was just trying to get Prince something to do and didn't really care about what went on there. Right. Which is like, yeah, you go go meet in the Seychelles with this guy. He's like, yes, Eric Eric loves just getting on boats and loves planes and stuff. Having just these James somewhere. Bond meetings and stuff. Seychelles, that sounds like sounds like a James Bond place. Get him out there. Right. Did you yeah. see that Mehdi Hassan interview? Oh God, the- <laughs> yeah. That was great. <laughs> it was so cringy when he's yeah. like, So what were you doing in the Seychelles? Like, ah just meeting. Just meeting. <laughs> Anyway, he really lied to Congress. So That's maybe, what you said. Right. 
That's what you say. That's what you it say. Says, but I, I don't know what he, it says. He's like, no, I'm, I'm reading the court transcript. According to you. No, uh, <laughs> that's what you that's said. What you so said. That's the transcript. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In what language? <laughs> what? All right, never mind. So the report also reveals that Rick Gerson, a hedge fund manager and friend of Jared Kushner, also worked with Karol Dmitriev to put together a plan for better relations between Russia and the U.S. One of the results of this was uh, the meeting after Trump became president between him and Vladimir Putin. Uh, they put together a list of like things to talk about during the meeting that apparently seems to have been used as like the the the, the minutes for that meeting. Most of it's pretty banal stuff, like we're improving relations and like uh, cooperation to fight terrorism and all that sort of stuff. Yada yada yada. Um, Gerson's interest seems to have disappeared after the financial deal he was working out with Dmitriya fell apart, um, which again goes into the general pattern you see around like with the people who are around Trump. Um, which is that uh, everyone in Russia had a very specific set of goals with like in terms of lifting sanctions and in terms of Ukraine that they were trying to get people around Trump to push, whereas everyone on the Trump side of things was working on their own personal goals. Like like right. Garrison didn't give a shit about what was discussed in the meeting. He wanted to set the meeting up because it would get him in good with Dmitriev so that they could make like a financial transaction essentially. Um, so everyone on the Trump side of things had their own very like niche personal interests at heart, and Russia was pushing a couple of very specific lines. You know, we want sanctions lifted. We want control of eastern Ukraine. Um, we don't want Hillary Clinton to be president. Like, right. Russia was very focused the whole time. Everyone around Trump, except for Michael Flynn, was focused on, like, their own personal careers. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And Russia's, that's how Russia uses people, is they find out what your exactly. motivation is, what your fears are, and then you know, find ways to make you do what they want. Yeah, and if you have enough people who are just so self-serving, it's like right. it's like chumming the waters and yeah. there's a hundred sharks tethered to Trump. So naturally right. that that's going to dr- pull all these fucking creatures in yeah. one direction. A hundred sharks and one dolphin named right. Michael Flynn. Oh. <laughs> oh. Just gets eaten alive. <laughs> yeah, he really does. Also, one of Kushner's Russian contacts gave him a bag of dirt. thought that was funny. Like a literal bag, like a of literal dirt. sack of dirt from the town in Belarus where his family came from. Oh, okay. that's that's pretty uh-huh. fun. He was like, "Here's dirt on Clinton." Do you have oh, real I emails? I guarantee you that joke no. was made. <laughs> uh, I should have brought the emails. <laughs> <laughs> I also like that this if the sack of dirt, the guy who wrote just a total scum lord. It's like, dude, just put fucking anything. In there. Right. It's like, yeah, right. it is from your town, man. Just, yeah. yeah, yeah, this is from where your family comes from. I went there by on foot. It's <laughs> like, is there an old Fanta bottle cap in there? Mm, no. So uh, the explanation in the Mueller report for why the June 9th Trump Tower meeting probably wasn't a crime is really interesting to me. Quote. There are reasonable arguments that the offered information would constitute a thing of value within the meaning of these provisions, which is the provision that determines whether or not the law was broken in setting up this meeting. But the office determined that the government would not be likely to obtain and sustain a conviction for two other reasons. First, the office did not obtain admissible evidence likely to meet the government's burden to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that these individuals acted willfully, i.e., with general knowledge of the illegality of their conduct. And second, the government would likely encounter difficulty in proving beyond a reasonable doubt that the value of the promised information exceeded the threshold of a criminal violation. How do you monetarily attach a value to Hillary damaging information on Hillary Clinton? Right. That's why we don't know if Donald Trump Jr. and Kushner committed a crime in organizing that meeting. I would say just if someone told me, yo, I have a I have a hard drive full of hacked Hillary Clinton emails. Yeah. I would imagine that the price tag just to start off you'd be like 10 grand. 10 grand? 
On the low end. You're, yeah, you're low-balling <laughs> it. Yeah, on the low end. I mean, I know people who do dirt for less, but, like, I think... All right, well, I guess, realistically, if I, I wonder if there is a way you could... It's too abstract to try to assign yeah, right. value to it. And also, exactly. you don't... So you're See going the, blind. You don't know what's on the emails, what's in the emails? Hey, look, bro, I got these emails, man. You want them or not? Ten grand. Yeah, could because it, could, it could just all be Hillary Clinton talking about her charity efforts. Print this totally. for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's what a lot of her emails were. That is what a lot of her emails print were. This, print this, print, print this. Print this. I don't like to read on my computer yeah. screen. Yeah, is, is, she's an old lady who doesn't yeah. like computers. Um, yeah. So like my mom. Uh, the Mueller report states after that paragraph I just read, that the special counsel's office decided not to charge Donald Trump Jr. or other campaign officials for the meeting. Uh, but then the next three pages are redacted due to an ongoing investigation, which, again, seems to suggest that someone else might charge Trump Jr. for what he was doing in that meeting at some other point um, because the investigation is still ongoing. Um, the two of like of the 14 allegations of potential crimes that the Mueller investigation headed off to, handed off to other departments, the only two we know of are Michael Cohen and uh, Greg Craig, who is a former Obama counsel, like White House counsel to President Obama. But Craig was not charged for his work during the Obama administration. He was charged for acting as an unregistered agent of the Ukrainian government in the past before he came to work for Obama. Oh, okay. um, so those are the two of the 14 that we know what they are. And this is the end of part one, because uh, part two of the Mueller report is what comes up next. So now we're going to talk about obstruction. Obstruction. Prove it. But Sophie says it's time for an ad break. Oh, my God. So first off, Sophie. Yeah. Oh, whoa. whoa. I threw the bagels again. Robert just threw Sophie across the room and into the wall. <laughs> Holy shit. Dude, stop calling her a bag of bagels. Yeah, that's, that's pretty yeah. pretty hard, pretty harsh. Um. Yeah, man, you're gonna you're moving product in this episode. I'll I, tell you what, I am moving product as well as tossing bagels. Um, uh-huh. Buy things. Yep. Here we go, guys. Uh, we're gonna take a quick <laughs> break, and we'll be right back. L a s i k LASIK dot com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK dot com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. 
join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. And we're back. And we're back. Sorry, I'm Jack is being Jack really is just trying annoying. to take over this, this podcast. <laughs> yeah, Which Robert, I where welcome. can people find you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll more on that later. Uh, <laughs> but Sorry. first, Robert, what's something from your search history that's revealed? <laughs> good question. What is obstruction of justice? Ah, good. Uh, it's one of the many things Donald Trump and I actually have in common. Just like, actually, what is it? We have a surprising number of things in common. Yeah, he and I had the same literary agent. Uh, really? At one point, yeah, yeah. Bird, bird? yeah. Bird, bird was yeah. Trump's literary agent. <laughs> yeah, he's thanked in one of his books. Oh, bird, little, bird and Waxman. What the, the other guy was working fuck? with. Well, like, no, it's just what happens. Nah. Like, you work, you work with whoever. He wasn't president yet. You have to say that. <laughs> wow. uh, and then Woody Guthrie wrote songs about our relatives. Really? Yeah, he wrote a song about Woody Guthrie. Wrote a song about how uh, Donald Trump's dad. Uh, refused to uh, uh, let black people stay in his buildings. Uh, And Woody Guthrie wrote a song about my relative, Pretty Boy Floyd, for beating a cop to death with a log chain for cursing at his wife. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. That's pretty cool, man. Pretty Boy grabbed a log chain, and the deputy grabbed his gun, and in the fight that followed, he laid that deputy down. Wow. That's a neat song. Doesn't rhyme. Sort of a cross rhyme, but... Yeah. Hey, yeah. look, when you're, That's pretty when you're cool, talking man. about a guy who beats somebody to death with a chain, fuck <laughs> <Right. laughs> the rhyme, dude. Um, I, I like your uncle's story better. Yep, yep. Yeah. Shouldn't be cursing in front of pretty boy Floyd's wife. Mm-hmm. I've always said that. Mm-hmm. You, you have. <laughs> now, uh, the second part of the Mueller report opens by noting that it is specifically not ruling on whether or not there was obstruction of justice because to do so would, among other things, undermine the president's ability to be president. Uh, and also in general, because the special counsel can't make rulings on such things because it would be like a separation of powers thing. One thing I've seen people say is that this is essentially Mueller's argument as to why Congress should impeach. Right. Um, and that's a pretty fair summation of things because Mueller's essentially saying, I can't declare the president guilty of a crime. And there's a number of reasons that are more complicated that I that I, I, I I'm just not competent to get into. Um, but it's not my job. It's not the special counsel's job. It's not the FBI's job. Congress needs to look, like make a decision. And here is my case for why there's a lot of evidence of obstruction of justice. 
And I, I do think that is the fairest way to sum up part two, as Mueller right. saying, here's a bunch of evidence the president obstructed justice. Congress, <laughs> do, right. do your job. Yeah. Like, it's like, right. I'm handcuffed. Yeah. So just so you know, but here's this whole instruction manual. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen some articles from more right wing publications where they're like, Mueller dropped the ball by not saying that Trump didn't obstruct justice. He should have like made a decision one way or the he other. He writes about 200 pages of that are basically like, I can't say that he committed obstruction of justice, but if I could say that, I would. But here's yeah. a description <laughs> right. of him obstructing yeah. justice. Here's 40 pages <laughs> right. about how he obstructed justice. Right. Yeah. Huh. Well, yeah. All right. It's weird. He uh, won't say murder, but he said beat a guy to death with a chain. <laughs> to death with a chain. So, huh. all right. Well, yeah. Maybe it's not a murder. Um, I'm going to quote from the Mueller report here. Quote uh, First, a traditional prosecution of, or delineation decision entails a binary determination to initiate or decline a prosecution, but we determine not to make a traditional prosecutorial judgment. The Office of Legal Counsel has issued an opinion finding that the indictment or criminal prosecution of a sitting president would impermissibly undermine the capacity of the executive branch to perform its constitutionally assigned functions in violation of the constitutional separation of powers. So again, that's Mueller's explanation for why he's not going to say whether or not a crime was committed. Um, but he does go out of his way to say that the president can still be charged with a crime after leaving office and indicted after leaving office. Uh, and then he notes this. If we had confidence after a thorough investigation of the facts that the president clearly did not commit obstruction of justice, we would so state. Which is the second time in the report that he says, accordingly, while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. That's uh-huh. repeated word for word on Total exoneration. Occasions. Yeah. Three different times says this does not exonerate the president. So that's cool. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like he's trying to tell us something. Yeah. The evidence we obtained about the president's actions and intent presents difficult issues that present, prevent us from conclusively determining that no criminal conduct occurred. Hmm. The evidence we found of crimes makes it difficult to say that there were no crimes. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Now. Uh, <laughs> cool. Cool stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Congress can look into it. Yeah. I mean, th- that's that's what's so also frustrating about just how conservative media chooses to just ignore these things. Right. Just yeah. for like, just, I think all they can do is point to the fact that Donald Trump isn't in jail. Yeah. And saying like, well, if he did something wrong, he'd be in jail. Right. So, yeah. even yeah. though there's all this stuff like, no, but you're also ignoring the fact that I'd imagine if Robert Mueller was brought up to the Hill and asked, like, if this were a private citizen, does this look like crime, regular, straight up crime to you? I'd be like, yeah, 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 yes. Yes, it's crime. Yeah. Uh, the Mueller investigation makes a lot, uh, says a lot about uh, the anger President Trump exp- er, felt when uh, Jeff Sessions recused himself, <laughs> uh, talks repeatedly about his multiple, multiple constant attempts to get Jeff Sessions to unrecuse himself. A word I don't know if existed. Unrecused? Uh, it, it's always in quotation marks. And I'm not, I think he might have coined that term. Yeah. Which, it's a word now. Well, why can't the, why can't my dog undie, daddy? Yeah. <laughs> He's never had a dog. Yeah, I know. But He'd be a I'm better man to... if he had. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, the president repeatedly ma- pra- made all of his problems worse by trying to coerce people into saying he wasn't in trouble. Uh, I'm going to read this next paragraph, which is uh, about sort of uh, him trying to get Comey to to uh, 
go after or, or to uh, stop going after Michael Flynn because there's some there's some beautiful shade in there. In the following days, the president reached out to the director of national intelligence and the leaders of the Central Intelligence Agency and the National Security Agency to ask them what they could do to publicly dispel the suggestion that the president had any connection to the Russian election effort or a Russian election interference effort. The president also twice called Comey directly, notwithstanding guidance from McGahn, his lawyer, to avoid direct contacts with the Department of Justice. So it goes out of its way to be like the law- president's lawyer said, "Don't do this," and the president did this. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, there's a lot of fascinating information in here about how Trump manages a team during a crisis. Um, <laughs> and honestly, this chunk of the report is worth everyone reading in full. I am going to read another quote about a meeting he had with Lewandowski. Uh, the president asked about the status of his message for sessions to limit the special counsel investigation to future election interference. Lewandowski <laughs> told, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. He wanted to limit the Mueller investigation to future in Russian and Future in, crime. In, yeah, exactly. Wait. I just saw this movie with Van Damme, Time Cop. Yeah. Why can't he time cop it to the next election? <laughs> yeah. But that doesn't make... I don't think... Was that known that he was trying to get it to be... I think this might be future? one of the new things that we learned in the investigation. What does that even mean? That I he wanted more of an assessment. Only investigate if they can do it in the future. Don't talk about what they did in 2016. Just talk about what they might do in 2020. And what then ignore that. What a very specific... Yeah request to for make. someone who committed no crimes yeah, yeah. Huh. that's one of the things that makes me think he did commit direct crimes i'm kind of on the fence about like whether or not his behavior in 2016 prior to the obstruction of justice was like direct cooperation because it's kind of hard to say right um or in if the it was legal an, sense or maybe they don't realize that this is something that was happening way before yeah like you could have been like yo i'm like about five years we might want to look at making you president yeah I, like it, it's entirely possible. Like I, I just don't. I just don't know. But th- it, it seems none of us like do, it, right? Robert, you know? None of us do. It seems like we it. just we don't. We just don't know. No. Yeah. Uh. So. Um. Yeah. The 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 this is great. Further attempts to have the attorney general take control of the investigation. Uh, in early summer 2017, the president called Sessions at home to again ask him to reverse his recusal from the Russia investigation. Sessions did not reverse his recusal. In October 2017, the president met privately with Sessions in the Oval Office and asked him to take a look at investigating Clinton. In December 2017, shortly after Flynn ple- pleaded guilty pursuant to a cooperation agreement, the president met with Sessions in the Oval Office and suggested, according to notes taken by a senior advisor, that if Sessions unrecused and took back supervision of the Russia investigation, he would be a, quote, hero. The president told Sessions, I'm not going to do anything or direct you to do anything. I just want to be treated fairly. In response, Sessions volunteered that he had never seen anything improper on the campaign and told the president there was a whole new leadership team in place. He did not unrecuse. So mm-hmm. it's like four times just there. Uh, the special counsel notes that it did not make a traditional prosecutorial judgment, again, about the president's behavior, but states that the evidence they found supports a few general statements about him, most of which boil down to he may have obstructed justice, but it's hard to say since the evidence suggests he doesn't commit the, he didn't commit the underlying crime, but actively, you know, in, did act to damage the investigation. Um, so, yeah, that that that's repeatedly stated. Um, the president ultimately refuses to be interviewed as the result of investigation, but repro- provided some written answers. Uh, Mueller gives an explanation as to why the pr- or he did not choose to subpoena the president to force the investigation. 
Ultimately, while we believed that we had the authority and legal justification to issue a grand jury subpoena to obtain the president's testimony, we chose not to do so. We made that decision in view of the substantial delay that such an investigative step would likely produce at a late stage in our investigation. We also assessed that based on the significant body of evidence we had already obtained on the president's actions and his public and private statements describing or explaining those actions, we had sufficient evidence to understand relevant events and to make assessments without the president's testimony. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of really heavily redacted paragraphs in this part, the most interesting of which is this one. Uh, within the Trump campaign, AIDS, re- this is about the DNC hacks. AIDS reacted with enthusiasm to reports of the hacks, sentence redacted, discussed with campaign officials that WikiLeaks would release the hacked material. Some witnesses said that Trump himself discussed the possibility of upcoming release releases, couple of words redacted. Michael Cohen, then executive vice president of the Trump Organization and special counsel to Trump, recalled hearing two or three sentences redacted. Cohen recalled that Trump responded, oh, good, all right, and sentence redacted. (laughs) Manafort said that shortly after WikiLeaks' July 22nd, 2016 release of hack documents, he spoke to Trump, sentence redacted. Manafort, (laughs) and these are all redacted due to an ongoing case. Manafort recalled that Trump responded that Manafort should, sentence redacted, keep Trump updated. Deputy campaign manager Rick Gates said that Manafort was getting pressure from couple of words redacted information and that Manafort instructed Gates couple of word redacted uh, status updates on upcoming releases. Around the same time, Gates was with Trump on a trip to an airport, sentence redacted. And shortly after the call ended, Trump told Gates that more releases of damaging information will be coming, sentence redacted, were discussed within the campaign. In the summer of 2016, the campaign was planning a communication strategy based on the possible release of Clinton emails by WikiLeaks. There seems to be that sounds like cooperation. so much yeah. crime happening, just the number of redactions. Yeah, that's some sketchy uh... shit. That's the sketchiest paragraph in the whole thing. Um, at least that uh, to my eyes. Yeah, right. we should make a Mad Libs of yeah. the Mueller report. <laughs> we should make a Mad Libs of the Mueller report. <laughs> I'm just gonna use the word butt. Yeah, butt <laughs> fart. Yeah, mostly yeah. fart. Uh, Gate was Gates with was with Trump on a trip to the airport. Fart, 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 fart. And shortly after the call ended, Trump told Gates that more releases of damaging information would be coming. Fart, 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 fart. We're discussed. Yeah, that works. No, That's or just good. put. No, just make a sentence. Yeah. So it's the most damning because he speaks knowledgeably about what WikiLeaks is about to do. Basically, yeah. like yeah, I yeah, know like this he knows, is right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, he oh, good. Just like we coming. talked about. Yeah, just like we talked about. Yeah. Oh, good. This this thing that I know is happening. Oh, is good. Coming. So Paul came through on that. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, <laughs> good man of fort. Um. So my favorite story and maybe the whole Mulder report is uh, the tale of Donald Trump's lunch with Chris Christie after fire firing Flynn. Uh, now this is on February 14th, 2017, the day after Flynn resigned. Um, so Trump had lunch at the white house with just Chris Christie quote, according to Christie at one point during the lunch, the president said, now that we fired Flynn, the Russia thing is over. Christie laughed and responded, no way. He said, this Russia thing is far from over and we'll be here on Valentine's day, 2018 talking about this. The president said, what do you mean? Flynn met with the Russians. That was the problem. I fired Flynn. It's over. Christie recalled responding that based on his experience, both as a prosecutor and as someone who had been investigated, firing Flynn would not end the investigation. Christie said there was no way to make the investigation shorter, but a lot of ways to make it longer. The president asked Christie what he meant, and Christie told the president not to talk about the investigation, even if he was frustrated with it at times. Christie told the president that he would never be able to get rid of Flynn, like gum on the bottom of your shoe. Towards the end of the lunch, the president brought up Comey and asked if Christie was still friendly with him. Christie said he would. Was. The president told Christie to call Comey and tell him that the president really likes him. Tell him he's part of the team. At the end of the lunch, the president repeated his request that Christie reach out to Comey. 
Christie had no intention of complying with the president's request that he contact Comey. He thought that the president's request was nonsensical, and Christie did not want to put Comey in the position of having to receive such a phone call. This is one of like five times the president tells someone to talk to Comey or someone else to try to get them to do something, and that person just doesn't do it. Yeah, but right. it's like, yeah, okay, and just like again, there's like a, with McGann when he's yeah. like fire Mueller, and he's like, I'm packing my shit. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm 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 gone. Right. <laughs> yeah, this is nuts. It's like, oh really? Uh, Prebus, <laughs> I'm not doing this crazy shit anymore. I just love that like Christie specifically tells tells Mueller, I've been investigated for crime, so I know yeah. what to do, and it's nothing. Also, <laughs> like, I just love that his also. He, Trump is so confused because he's used to this corporate thing. He's like, what? Michael was stealing? Fire him. Yeah. Okay, good. That's, that's dealt well with. Well done. Yeah, like, and now it's like, oh, it's not over. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, his, Christie's advice is good. Like, you, right. can't, you can't shorten the investigation, but you can make it longer by committing crimes. So don't do that. Right. And then again, who knows without it would have been like if, you know, if Jared Kushner wasn't in the way of Chris Christie actually yeah. joining uh, the White House. It does it definitely seems like Trump would have handled all of this better if Christie had been closer to. Or him. you know, when you also think about it, he doesn't listen to anyone, so he does it not could have listen been, to anyone. It could have yeah. been a, holo- a holographic ghost of his father. And yeah, be Christie like, and McGahn might have taken the same lift away from the White House, right? Like, <laughs> you know. So the report heavily corroborates Comey's claims that Trump cleared out the room to speak to just him about letting Flynn go. A decision that could definitely be seen as a serious attempt to influence the investigation. Um, he talks to other people besides Comey, but also lists Comey's notes and stuff. It, it definitely seems like, based on everything the the Mueller investigation dug up, Comey's recitation of events while he was head of the FBI is very credible. Um, the uh, uh, Mueller investigation seems to be concluding that like what Trump did was obstruction in this specific instance, although, again, it doesn't call it that because it's not going to make a prosecutorial judgment. Um, well, the president said he hoped Comey could let, let Flynn go rather than affirmatively directing him to do so. The circumstances of the conversation show that the president was asking Comey to close the FBI's investigation into Flynn. Like, and so it pretty, began. Pretty clear. Yeah. Trump repeatedly whined about the investigation during intelligence briefings. That comes up that like he would be talking about like ISIS and something and he'd start whining about the investigation and the briefers didn't know what to do about it. Like right. they They're were like, like, I'm not going to comment. On I, I don't really. I uh, OK. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. You have like someone from like the CIA or something like, yeah. what about this Russia bullshit? Huh? Yeah. He did mm-hmm. repeatedly complain that the Mueller investigation was making his job as president impossible, but it seems like everyone he worked with besides him was trying to move on and just do their jobs, and he was the one that couldn't get ri- over it, which I find interesting. Um, if he had been able to, most of the bad behavior in this section would not have occurred. Uh, yeah, on at least two occasions, the president began the presidential daily briefings by stating that there was no collusion with Russia, and he hoped a press statement to that effect could be issued. Pompeo, head of the CIA, recalled that the president vented about the investigation on multiple occasions, complaining that there was no evidence against him and that nobody would publicly defend him. Um, yeah, that's it's it's pretty wild. Michael Flynn would have defended me. Yeah, he sure would have, buddy. He sure would have. <laughs> um, Trump repeatedly badgered Comey and other Department of Justice officials to announce that he was not under investigation. They tried to explain to him why this was a bad idea, uh, but he did not listen to them. Uh, Trump basically used Com- firing Comey as an excuse to note that on three occasions the FBI director told him that the president was not under investigations. Like it seems like his primary reason in firing Comey is that Comey wouldn't state publicly that he had told the president that he wasn't under investigation. Right. And Trump used the firing memo as an excuse to say that. 
Um, yeah, it's 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 pretty pretty wild. The Mueller report definitely seems to be concluding that the firing of James Comey may have also been an example of uh, uh, obstruction of justice. Um, so that's pretty cool. What I'm, version? Yeah. Sorry, mm-hmm. what version of the report are you looking at? Do you th- do you fucking think <laughs> we'll believe? No, what version? Because we know for a fact Trump is not reading the report. No, good God, no. Uh, no, it's a thing he's with probably words on not it. reading an entire article about the report. Yeah, um, there's a chance he might be yep. might have listened to Barr's entire summary. But like, what? What do you think he knows? Because it does seem like across the days after the, the day after the report, he started calling some of the details bullshit. Like, I just wonder, we've never had a president who can't or won't read before. What, how, how is the information coming to him? Like, how is he digesting this? Is it yeah. just Fox's? It seems like he mostly gets it from Fox News. Yeah, right. He doesn't, That's he doesn't been true in the past, serious. but this is like such a specific document and it's so dense that like, I just, I, I'm curious, like, the, I mean, I'm sure there'll be another book where someone talks about how they had to like dumb it, like Cliff's notes it or just highlight, yeah. the good, just highlight the good parts. This doesn't talk about how Trump gets his information, but it does talk about how relentlessly when he's interested in something, like he, he was incapable of not asking everyone around him to try to get Comey to drop the Flynn thing when right. that was his focus. And then like when he wanted someone to say that he wasn't being investigated. He brought that up to every single person he talked to. Right. Because again, he's kind of incapable of listening to people. Yeah. Especially yeah. when there's something on his mind like this. Right. I I bet there's a lot of conversations happening where he implies that he's read the Mueller report, yeah. but everybody knows he hasn't. <laughs> where he's like, what'd you think of it? Yeah, 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 me too. Oh, uh, yeah, though. Yeah. Remember page 83? I remember that part. That was fucking total. Yeah, right. I mean, total bullshit. <laughs> Um, so the, the fact that, Com- like the, so it, the, the report notes that the firing of James Comey would, was never like going to close the investigation, uh, and could not have, which is a mark in the president's defense. Um, it seems accurate to say that Trump's intent in firing Comey was to punish him for not openly stating that he, Trump was not being investigated more than it was an attempt to disrupt the investigation. Uh, that seems to be the conclusion that the Mueller report mm. makes, uh, the analysis of whether or not the president obstructed justice gets really interesting after this point in the report. It notes that his talk to Comey about the loyalty pledge, if you all remember his asking Comey to be loyal, does support the fact that he was trying to put the kibosh on the investigation. Um, but then it basically says that Mueller – yeah, I'm just going to read this quote because it's pretty remarkable. As described in Volume 1, the evidence uncovered in the investigation did not establish that the president or those close to him were involved in the charged Russian computer hacking or active measure conspiracies, or that the president otherwise had an unlawful relationship with any Russian official. But the evidence does indicate that a thorough FBI investigation would uncover facts about the campaign and the president personally that the president could have understood to be crimes or that would give rise to personal and political concerns. So he's saying that, like, we didn't find any evidence of a conspiracy with Russia, but the evidence suggests that the reason the president was so worried about the investigation is because he committed a bunch of other crimes that he was worried would be revealed. Right. Like, that's Comey stating that as directly as he can. Um, Mueller stating that? Or that's oh yeah, Comey. Mueller stating right. that. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Just got, kind of circling back on a detail that we talked about earlier. 
um, just in terms of like Trump and the people around him having direct Russian ties. Uh, somebody was pointing out, and this is a detail that I hadn't really heard. I think it was Andrew Sullivan was pointing out in the Intelligence or uh, the New York Magazine thing that in the days immediately after the election, uh, Putin and a lot of Russian officials were scrambling to try and get uh, access to Trump. So that's kind of the best argument I've seen for why, like the at least the idea that like there was some deep tie, deeply tied in uh conspiracy like probably isn't true like all the unless it's something through people around him yeah right that right seems no that's been the influence they have yeah yeah exactly yeah cuz i don't yeah it's hard to be like trump fully knows the full extent of everything knows like just enough to be right to know how to move, but not enough to seem completely well, on the hook for anything. And I think that some of that might be the Russian government giving him too much credit, because knowing what we know now, if I was the Russian government and I was trying to influence him, I would just have, I would just reach out to someone on Fox News and get them to talk about the president should let Russia have Eastern Ukraine, like that. You don't even, right. you don't need to talk. He doesn't listen to people who talk right. to him. Yeah. Like I, I'm going to guess that's what Putin learned in their meeting is that like, oh my God, this guy can't fucking pay attention. This guy can't like, even hear me. He's just talking about Comey. Who the fuck is James right. Comey? Like I handled that. So would you say that the investigation's not into me? Like right. Yeah. Um. So, uh, it talks about for a while about how he repeatedly tried to file the special counsel, McGahn, after McGahn refused to uh, uh, talk about how there were conflicts of interest between uh, Robert Mueller. And what Trump thought was a conflict of interest is that Mueller had interviewed for the head of the FBI job and not gotten it, which, like, everyone else was like, that's not a conflict of, of interest. And he was like, you got to tell people about this conflict of interest. But it wasn't even that. But it's not. Like, it's... It was the yeah. golf course thing, too. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Where he was like, Robert Mueller tried to get into one of the golf courses. Oh, that's not in here. Wait, is that another one of I'm, them? Hold or on. maybe I missed it. There's yeah, I remember that. Look it, look it up. I'm, but I'm pretty, um, one of the other things that was he was pointing to was like, he's mad that he uh, he tried to get into like a club and didn't. Or some other, it was something tied was some to golf conflict. where it was like, what? You're also putting that layer on top of it? Be- beautiful. That That is a very Trump story. Trump, March 3rd. But we have conflicts. I have a nasty business transaction with Robert Mueller a number of years ago. I said, why isn't that mentioned? He wants the job as FBI director. I mean, these are things that are out there. They know it. Why isn't that? And I didn't give it to him. Why isn't that mentioned? Wow. Yeah. But what about the membership fees for a Trump National Golf that's, Course? I think that's the nasty business transaction that he's talking so, about. So Bob <laughs> Mueller couldn't golf at a mediocre golf course. Or it was it was a dispute over fees or something. Yes. Okay. Right? So it wasn't... So... Okay. <laughs> Robert Mueller's family was members of the Trump National Golf Course. He said, "We actually, we're, we're not even using this membership anymore. We'd like to cancel it. Can we get some of our membership fees back? Right. And they did. Right. Okay. But that was like... Pretty damning. Well, he, this changes everything. Yeah. Let's yeah. just throw this. You know what? I'm sorry because we wasted everyone's time who's I, listening. I, I believe that a man was shot who was shot in combat for his country would would give all throw of that, all up that away <laughs> because of right because golf club membership of golf club membership <laughs> fees he recouped. Yeah, uh, and okay. that I do think that is 
more than anything, a window into Trump's psyche because that is totally something he oh, would do. Trump would burn this country down if someone to fuck didn't somebody give over a thirty dollar refund. For yeah, a, yeah. I, oh yeah, yeah. Now uh, y- you probably have run into uh, some of some quotes from pieces of Trump's reaction when he was first told about the special <laughs> counsel investigation. The best. I want to read that little bit in full because it's it's good for the soul, and we could all use that at this point. Mm-hmm. The president learned of the special counsel's appointment from Sessions, who was with the president, Hunt, and McGahn during conducting interviews for a new FBI director. Sessions stepped out of the Oval Office to take a call from Rosenstein, who told him about the special counsel appointment, and Sessions then returned to inform the president of the news. According to notes written by Hunt, when Sessions told the president that a special counsel had been appointed, the president slumped back in his chair and said, Oh my God, this is terrible. This is the end of my presidency. I'm fucked. The president became angry and lambasted the attorney general for his decision to not recuse the investigation, stating, How could you let this happen, Jeff? The president said the position of attorney general was his most important appointment and that Sessions had let him down, contrasting him to Eric Holder and Robert Kennedy. Sessions recalled that the president said to him, You were supposed to protect me, or words to that effect. The president returned to the consequences of the appointment and said, Everyone tells me that if you get one of these independent councils, it ruins your presidency. It takes years and I won't be able to do anything. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. The president told Sessions he should resign as attorney general. Sessions agreed to submit his resignation and left the Oval Office. Hicks saw the president shortly after Sessions departed and described the president as being extremely upset by the special counsel's appointment. Hicks said that she had only seen the president like that one other time when the Access Hollywood tape came out during the campaign. Hmm. Chef's kiss. Oh. It was it uh, Eric Erickson maybe was the one? So I'm trying to think of the person. Oh, no, it was someone from Gateway Pundit, I think. Uh, Jim Hoft, who said that that line, the reason why the president acted, responded, I'm fucked, it's over, is because he knew that the deep state had now initiated a coup against him. And that was the reason. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Cool. It's just funny to see like the ways... The like journalists on the right are trying to answer or rationalize things. Oh yeah, it wasn't because he did anything wrong. It's because he knew yeah. the deep state was gonna fucking end the whole thing. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's also just such child, like little child vibes to it. Yeah, where he's like, "This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me." Right. <laughs> and there's a lot about this that led to like you just hear how much how little trust everyone around the president has for him. Um, So Sessions gave in his resignation papers, but Trump ultimately didn't ask him to resign yet. Um, But the president kept his resignation letter. And then Reince Priebus was like, Jeff, you got to get that letter back. It's going to be the words he used was a shot collar on the Department of Justice's neck. Like, you have to take that back. Um, (laughs) So the president tried to argue that Mueller interviewing for the. Yeah. Yeah. So the president tried to argue that Mueller interviewing for the director of the FBI job was a conflict of interest. Steve Bannon told him that was ridiculous and petty. Like huh. S- Steve Bannon called it petty, <laughs> right? Because at least he's somewhat in touch with the version of reality yeah. some people are engaged. You in. have to be to be a good propagandist, right? You have to yeah. at least know what the world is. You can't right. just be like, "Yeah, man, I'm telling you, cupcakes are yeah. <laughs> making our kids all freaky and shit." Like, yeah. what the what? Uh, it's <laughs> speaking of cupcakes making our kids all freaky and shit. Yeah, we have some product ads now for freak cakes. Freak cakes—they make your kids unhealthy and think for themselves. Buy them. Um... Sophie, how much money are we getting from the freak cakes people? 
thousand trillion dollars. Thousand bajillion. Yeah. Usually it's, it's the money. high number first. Yeah, you're, and then the your diamond encrusted grill says freak cakes on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you about freak cakes, Miles. <laughs> the only cakes that clean your teeth. Now, we're getting a lot of pushback from Big Dental here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every morning, dentists outside my door picketing, fighting, firebombing my windows. That's why I've got those diamond grills on the windows. Exactly. Right. So fuck with Big Dentistry and buy some freak cakes. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. We're back! Speaking of us being back, 
here's more of the Mueller report. Are you uh-huh. guys dead inside yet? Back because Trump got stabbed in the back by the deep state. Yeah. He sure did. Yeah. Nice. Jack, Jack. On it. Returning. Yes. In um, this round, I'm going to rebut everything you say. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, you're going to have to rebut everything Mueller says because mm-hmm. we, we got a big mole quote here. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. So the president repeatedly hammered McGahn, uh, his lawyer, to try False. and get- <laughs> to try to get McGahn to call <laughs> the Department of Justice and tell Rod Rosenstein that Mueller had to go. Uh, this next paragraph paints a very vivid picture of what it's like working for Donald Trump. When the president called McGahn a second time to follow up on the order to call the Department of Justice, McGahn recalled that the president was more direct, saying something like, Call Rod. Tell Rod that Mueller has conflicts and can't be the special counsel. <laughs> McGahn recalled the president telling him, Mueller has got to go. Call me back when you do it. McGahn understood the president to be saying that the special counsel had to be removed by Rosenstein. To end the conversation with the president, McGahn left the president with the impression that McGahn would call Rosenstein. McGahn recalled that he had already said no to the president's request that he was uh, worn down, so he just wanted to get off the phone. McGahn recalled feeling trapped because he did not plan to follow the president's directive, but did not know what he would say the next time the president called. McGahn decided he had to resign. He called his personal lawyer and then called his chief of staff, Annie Donaldson, to inform her of his decision. He then drove to the office to pack his belongings and submit his resignation letter. Donaldson recalled that McGahn told her the president had called and demanded he contact the Department of Justice and that the president wanted him to do something that McGahn did not want to do. McGahn told Donaldson that the president had called at least twice and and asked in one of the calls, have you done it? Just real quick, um, because I uh, I, I listened to the slow burn about the Clinton-Lewinsky affair and just the Watergate investigation and the level of intrigue and just Clinton doing bad things is so minimal that, and yep. the Republicans freaked out about that for 10 years in a row, basically. And uh, still are. And still are freaking out about it. And they have the balls to uh, say that, call our interest in. This guy who can't, who can't stop committing crimes, they have the balls to call that Trump derangement syndrome. I just wanted to put Witch that hunt. into perspective. He can't stop committing crimes when his employees, who have a vested interest in his political success, repeatedly say, please don't do anything. Right. You're not right. in danger. And then he endangers himself by right. demanding that they commit crimes, calling them at all hours of the day. Call Rod yeah. and say, Mueller has to go. He has conflicts. Yeah. Those conflicts again? Oh, just like that? Yeah. Yeah, what was the problem? That's not how it works. What do you mean? <laughs> so McGahn later told Reince Priebus when he was still trying to resign that the president had asked him to do crazy shit and <laughs> seems to have been on the verge of resigning, but eventually did not. And the president eventually dropped the issue because, again, he has the attention span of a 14-year-old. Um, as to whether or not this is collusion, well, the president claimed he was just asking McGahn to bring up Mueller's possible conflicts of interest to the Department of Justice. Uh, but, uh, and then the Mueller report notes that some evidence does support this, but, quote, substantial evidence, however, supports the conclusion that the president went further and, in fact, directed McGahn to call Rosenstein to have the special counsel removed, which, again, is obstruction of justice. The report notes that the president's conversations with numerous other people during this period, including Priebus and Chris Christie, showed that he had an intense desire to, in the president's words, knock out Mueller. Kind of fun to think of Mueller Mm. typing all that out. Now, the evidence shows that the president was not just seeking an examination of whether conflicts of interest existed, but was instead looking to use asserted conflicts as a way to terminate the special counsel. So again, the conclusion by the Mueller report is basically the president committed obstruction of justice, but we we can't say that 
because that's not in the scope of this thing. Right. Here's us outlining the obstruction he committed. Here is a detailed description yeah. of him committing obstruction of justice. Yeah. Also, that's a good, it's a good uh, snapshot of what life is like for people who work for Donald Trump. It's also a good testimony to how to deal with a shitty boss. Just mm-hmm. say, yeah, 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 sure, boss, and then don't do the terrible idea he's telling you to do. That's that. Almost always works. Oh, yeah. I do it yeah. every day. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Miles. <laughs> yes, sir. Son of a bitch. I'm going to. Get right away. Yeah. And, and speaking of that, Jack, there's another great Good. detail of that. Hey, I didn't fuck myself. Later in the report on, uh, again, this is like on December of 2017 after Flynn pleaded guilty of him hammering Jeff Sessions again to unrecuse. Uh, according to contemporaneous notes taken by Porter, the president said, I don't know if you could unrecuse yourself. You'd be a hero. Not telling you to do anything. Dershowitz says POTUS can get involved, can order AG to investigate. I don't want to get involved. I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to do anything or direct you to do anything. I just want to be treated fairly. Huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Now, the report does seem to suggest that Trump's constant attempts to get Sessions to unrecuse himself were, in fact, acts of obstruction. Do, uh, do they? And they use quotes there, too, when they say unrecuse? Uh, in that instance? Uh, let me see here. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I like... So that really is like a shade move. Yeah, like, that's a shade move. Of you know, being like, like we're this is not a word. In Trump's vocab. Yeah, yeah unrecuse, un- unrecuse himself. Unrecuse. Uh, you will yeah. unrecuse yourself. Yeah. Uh, so the report does seem to conclude that Trump's constant attempts to get session to unrecuse were in fact acts of obstruction. Uh, it's just like I see the quotes every time. Every so time, passive aggressive. Every time. And unrecuse himself. <laughs> he seems very irritated by this point. There is evidence that at least, yeah, he's, he's pissed. One line just says, dude, fuck this guy. And you're fuck like, this Whoa, guy. Dude. He, he, he Sorry, seems my to bad, be really frustrated at the president and at Paul Manafort. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hear he's reading the report for Audible, so we'll oh, be able good. to hear it in oh, his voice. Oh, that's going to be great. Yeah. The, uh, Robert Mueller reads tones. the Mueller report. We actually are having him on, uh, on Behind the Bastards soon, but we're not We're not talking about Trump. We're, we're right. going we're gonna, to we're gonna finally <laughs> get Talking that. about how he nailed the NFL. We're going to finally get that Mao episode out. Oh. Bob Mueller seemed like the guest for that. Yeah. Right? He's actually, if you heard his tight five down at the Comedy Factory, he's oh, really, yeah, really solid. Yeah. I, I was surprised he was doing so well with the prop bits, but yeah. he's actually, yeah. He's Little got racy, but, uh, yeah. right. you know? Yeah. Really racy. It's like, yeah. yeah well, because yeah. he says racy and then pulls out an inflatable race car. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure exactly. does. Yeah. It's a good joke. It's a good It's a But good then gag. puts an afro on it. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> when like, it's questionable. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the report does seem to suggest that Trump's constant attempts to get Sessions to unrecuse himself were, in fact, acts of obstruction. Quote, there is evidence that at least one purpose of the president's conduct toward Sessions was to have Sessions assume control over the Russia investigation and supervise it in a way that would restrict its scope. Uh, a reasonable inference from those statements and the president's actions is that the president believed that an unrecused attorney general would play a protective role and could shield the president from the ongoing Russia investigation. Um uh, it's constantly interesting to me uh, how little loyalty and like is is shown by the people who are close to President Trump. Um, yeah. Uh, he asked Rob Porter, the White House staff secretary, to deliver the president's demands to McGahn that he did not McGahn that he denied publicly that the president had ever tried to fall, fire Mueller. Um, McGahn dismissed that like the threat that he would be fired if he didn't deliver this uh, by saying that it would look bad for the president if he did this, and McGahn turned him down again. So again, he keeps ordering McGahn to break the law, and McGahn doesn't break the law. And that's part of why the case against him isn't clear, because people didn't listen when he repeatedly right, told them to break the law. because they knew that was like, that's full on Because these crime. are lawyers. Right. <laughs> like, 
Yeah. McGahn acknowledged that he had not told the president directly that he planned to resign, but said that the story was otherwise accurate. The president asked McGahn, did I say the word fire? McGahn responded, what you said is, call Rod Rosenstein, tell Rod that Mueller has conflicts and can't be the special counsel. The president responded, I never said that. The president said that he merely wanted McGahn to raise the conflicts issue with Rosenstein and leave it to him to decide what to do. McGahn told the president that he did not understand the conversations that way and instead had heard, call Rod, there are conflicts, Mueller has to go. The president asked McGahn whether or not he would do a correction, and McGahn said no. <laughs> do a correction. Do a correction. Will you, uh, yeah. Do a correction. I'm sorry. Let me do a correction really quick. <laughs> and this is all about, by the way, a New York Times report stating that the president had tried to get McGahn to fire Mueller, right. which Trump claimed publicly was all lies was by the right. biased New York Times, and McGahn himself was like, no, they got it right. No, that's the funny thing, too, is so many journalists are vindicated, too, from mm-hmm. this report, too, when things came out. They're like, oh, this is all unfounded, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Like, right. A lot of this stuff is now in here. Yeah. That's why the Glenn Greenwald thing of him being like, ah, see, it was all bullshit is like, wait, did you even re- read the report? Because yeah. like all no. the stuff you've been like saying was bullshit and overblown has been borne out in this report. No, because Glenn Greenwald was not going to do what I did and spend the entire all of yesterday in a dank room drinking scotch and reading the Mueller report because Glenn Greenwald lives on a mansion above a Brazilian favela filled with dogs and right. has better things to do than read this report. Is that right. where he lives? Yeah. Yeah. He makes like a million dollars a year. Yeah. He lives in Brazil? Yeah. Crushing it. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> with his beautiful husband. He's one of the best paid like, journalists on yeah. the planet. Yeah. Oh, God bless you. God bless him. Yeah. And yeah. he lives above the favelas? Yeah. In where, like Rio or something? I think it's in Rio, yeah. Or Sao Paulo? Or Rio. Might be Sao Paulo. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. But it seems like the sort of thing that he had locked and loaded, right? Before the report even came out. Yeah. There's no way he read it all. Good God, no. In no. four hours. It's ex- no, and it would betray everything he's done up until then. He's not, he's... It, it took me eight, and I really half-assed the reading of this report, yeah. guys. I, I, mean... I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's obvious. <laughs> so this is all leading up to my very favorite paragraph in the entire Mueller report. Um, and this is as he's, he's talking to McGahn. The president also asked McGahn in a meeting why he had told special counsel's office investigators that the president had told him to have the special counsel removed. McGahn responded that he had to and that his conversations with the president were not protected by attorney-client privilege. The president then asked, what about these notes? Why do you take notes? Lawyers don't take notes. I never had a lawyer who took notes. McGahn responded that he keeps notes because he's a real lawyer and explains that notes create a record and are not a bad thing. The president said, I've had a lot of great lawyers like Ray Cohen he didn't take notes boom <laughs> mob lawyer Roy Cohn famous crime lawyer Roy Cohn <laughs> what are you doing what are you doing notes what is that why aren't you like Roy Cohn because I'm not committing crimes that guarantee you'll be impeached right. like I'm not going to do that because I'm a real lawyer right again lawyer? McGann's one of the guys you come across from this being like well at least you're competent <laughs> right. yeah because I'm a real lawyer yeah. is such a fucking condescending <laughs> Why answer to be notes? giving to the president <laughs> of the and United I'm, States. I'm sure too, like with Trump, he's like not used to being spoken to like that. No. And I'm sure right. Don McGahn is like fuck you mode. I don't yeah. like shit. That anymore. Trump pride took yeah. all that. He's like, because I'm a real lawyer. Because he's seen what's happening okay. to Flynn. I'm not going to go to prison for yeah. you. <laughs> like, and other people probably would never. I, I hope that mm-hmm. Don McGahn was so just shitty. Like, mm-hmm. in the, I mean, obviously, fuck him, like, guiding yeah. Brett Kavanaugh through the confirmation yeah. shit. And that as being no, a swan No, he's song. a bad person. But, like, I, 
just if it were like a scene in a show of just being like, just shut, shut the fuck up, okay? Because right. yeah. I'm a real lawyer, you fuck. Because I'm a lawyer. I'm taking. It's not bad to take notes, Donald. I right. never seen that. You never seen that? The TV show that it would <laughs> be seen from. Someone though, right? Yeah. yeah. The TV show that it would be from would not be House of Cards. It would be Veep because yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, you yeah. also have to imagine that McGann was taking notes of that conversation while yeah. he this was, was happening. telling him not to take notes. So Trump was then like. You're doing it again. Yeah, it's like you know? asking about notes. Said creating record. <laughs> right. Just said, but Roy Cohn didn't do that. <laughs> okay, I got what I need, yeah. uh, Mr. President. Uh, Look, I got amazing. a lot of tables, man. I got to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Next, we get into out. a bunch more stuff of the uh, the Manafort stuff, which again, there's, it's a lot of obstructiony stuff there. You, you can read it. We, we already talked about a lot of Manafort's crimes. Yeah. A decent amount of it's still redacted. We get to what's probably Roger Stone next, but again, everything about Stone is redacted right now, so it's a little bit hard to say. There is a partially redacted paragraph uh, talking about the president and Michael Cohen that makes Donald Trump sound exactly like a mob boss, so I'm going to read that next. Okay. A few days after the searches, the president called Cohen. According to Cohen, the president said he wanted to check in and asked if Cohen was okay, and the president encouraged Cohen to hang in there and stay strong. Cohen also recalled that following the searches, this is after Cohen's house had been searched, Uh, He heard from individuals who were in touch with the president relayed to Cohen the president's support for him. Cohen recalled that, blank, a friend of the president's reached out to say that he was with the boss, boss is capitalized, in Mar-a-Lago, and the president said, he loves you and not to worry. Cohen recalled that, redacted, for the Trump organization told him, the boss loves you, and Cohen said that, redacted, a friend of the president's told him, everyone knows the boss has your back. Huh. Yeah, that's boss that's, back, that's yeah. a mob ass shit. That right is there. a mob yeah. shit, but it's also like very touchy feely, warm, yeah, sentimental for Trump yeah. and an army general. Yeah. Like that's probably as warm and feely as my- Michael Cohn has ever been, including like on his wedding night. So, yeah. Yeah. The fact that he uh, said, turned said, on him after the boss that. loves me. Yeah. And. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I take a bullet for him. Well, and I'm going to testify. Right. But he has to say it in in the third person because saying you would be like too emotional. Yeah. (laughs) And Uh, he said that the boss loves me. The Mueller report concludes that the president probably knew and directly approved of Michael Cohen lying to Congress. The evidence could support an inference that the president was aware of these facts at the time of Cohen's false statements to Congress. Um, So again, so the president... Probably committed a crime, and the evidence could probably support that he committed a crime. Yeah, yeah, that's what Mueller seems to be saying. At the conclusion of the report, it reiterates that it will not make traditional prosecutorial judgments, but does note some conclusions. In this investigation, the evidence does not establish that the president was involved in an underlying crime related to Russian election interference, but the evidence does point to a range of other possible personal motives animating the president's conduct. These include concerns that continued investigation would call into question the legitimacy of his election and potential uncertainty about whether certain events, such as advance notice of WikiLeaks's release of hacked information or the June 9, 2016 meeting between senior campaign officials and Russians, could be seen as criminal activity by the president, his campaign, or his family. Third, many of the president's acts directed at witnesses, including the discouragement of cooperation with the government and suggestions of possible future pardons, occurred in public view. While it may be more difficult to establish that public-facing acts were motivated by a corrupt intent, the president's power to influence actions, persons, and events is enhanced by his unique ability to attract attention through use of mass communications. And no principle of law excludes public acts from the scope of obstruction statutes. If the likely effect of the acts is to intimidate witnesses or alter their testimony, the justice system's integrity is equally threatened. That 
seems so damn like such a sane description of what the mm-hmm. president was doing that mm-hmm. like nobody was using like those sorts of straightforward words to describe what he was doing for so long. Yeah. And he's just like, no, this is how it works. You can't publicly intimidate people. Yeah. Mueller notes that the president's efforts to influence the investigation were mostly unsuccessful, but that is largely because the persons who surrounded the president declined to carry out orders or accede to his requests. (laughs) (laughs) He kept urging them to do crimes, and they were just a little too smart to do it. Right. (sighs) Yeah. Fuck, man. Uh, I just, I, I don't want to go to prison and I don't want you to go to prison. So yeah. I guess not. No. And then he yells at you for an hour and a half. Right. Yeah. So uh, it notes after this that the president is not immune to charges for obstruction of justice just by the nature of being the president. Uh, and then, you know, I'm going to read essentially the final word in the report before the appendix. Uh, is just which, one word? Uh, Well, final paragraph. (laughs) Oh, okay. Which in any sane society would be damning. Because we determined not to make a traditional prosecutorial judgment, we did not draw ultimate conclusions about the president's conduct. The evidence we obtained about the president's actions and intent presents difficult issues that would need to be resolved if we were making a traditional prosecutorial judgment. At the same time, if we had confidence after a thorough investigation of the facts that the president clearly did not commit obstruction of justice, we would so state. Based on the facts and the applicable legal standard, we are unable to reach that judgment. Accordingly, while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. For the third time. Right. That's my fucking notes. (laughs) Whoa. You really threw that bagel down. Where are the bagels? Where's my tossing bagels? (laughs) They're already already on the ground. Bring me my tossing bagels, surf. Ah! Ah, Fuck you, bagels. I... I'm not surprised by anything in there. Um, you know, we need William Barr uh, to do some splaining. Yeah. We need some Robert Mueller splaining. And uh, I mean, all this really shows is like, this is, I, I think, the beginning of a much longer process. Yeah. I mean, again, so, again, there's still 14 ongoing criminal yeah. investigations. So is there a version of this where they don't say we're going forward with impeachment hearings, but they do continue to like have hearings? Yeah, on, that's possible. Yeah, I mean, they can investigate all these I mean, other things. I think it's right. a foregone conclusion that Mueller is going to talk to Congress. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. That's, and they, Congress has already requested the unredacted version of the um, the report. So that's probably going to happen. Um, so far, Democratic leadership has been unwilling to, and has in fact directly stated they don't want to pursue impeachment. Right. Um, I saw that. Which, like, I, I will say, based on my non-lawyer knowledge of what I read in the report, Definitely seems like there's enough to impeach over. Right. Like to yeah. at least, you know, do because obviously impeaching doesn't mean he gets kicked out of the job. It's just starts. Right. Like impeaching is just a political um, act. It, there's definitely more there than there was with Clinton um, in terms of uh, crime. Right. That was probably committed. Uh, but at the same, like people are wondering, like, is it a good political strategy to impeach right. him? Which like, well, is it a good political strategy to just like not charge the president for his multiple crimes? Right. Yeah. Right. And hope that you win the next election, like Democrats often don't. Right. Like, uh, but there's no version of reality where the Democrats are able to act successfully impeach Trump from office, given what is currently out there. So they would need it depends on the votes too. Right. Yeah. The votes for on the Senate would require a bunch of Republicans to 
vote to impeach Trump. Yes. And that, I mean, that is a good point that, like, if he gets impeached and then, like, isn't actually kicked out, he might claim vindication or something. Oh, Although he you could definitely say would. It'll probably drag on up until the election and right. would be And the last time we saw bad. an unsuccessful impeaching of a president, the president saw a huge boost after. Yeah. Although the president, there, like, his poll numbers flat as a fucking doornail. Uh, this in, president, yeah, well, yeah. just in, in the wake of the Mueller report coming out, like it doesn't seem to have had any impact. Like Still even early, when we're but, looking at like, yeah. but yeah, but, but it's been like a week or two since Barr announced no collusion or whatever, and it didn't right. do anything. Because I think most people, they don't need the report on either side to still believe yeah. he's either the best thing to happen or the worst thing to happen. So, so then I guess when you look at it from there, you're like, well, then if it's not going to move the needle that much, is it the best? Is that the best way I mean, of? I'm not attack? gonna make a judgment on like whether or not he should be impeached because there's a lot of thinking behind that. I will say it seems like a horrible dereliction of duty to not uh, hammer every aspect of this. Uh, talk, bring Mueller up before Congress. Talk, yeah, like like it like publicize heavily every investigation that is still ongoing. Like right. It needs to be kept in the public eye up until the election. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And maybe committed a huge number of crimes, it sounds like. Right. And by having people like under oath in a televised test, like if they're testifying and giving testimony, you can hopefully chip away a little bit at the court of public opinion. too. Right. If, you, if it's nonstop of people being like, yeah, and then he asked me to do this. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I want to hear Donald McGahn talk about all of the times Trump tried to get him to commit crimes right. in front of Congress. I really want that. Because what was the, the uh, in the Watergate thing, like one of the first ones was like just like an office assistant who they asked to shred documents. Yeah. And like that whole thing was kind of the first anecdote that people were like, wait, what's going on? Yeah. Because like higher ups like, are like, I don't know how to use this document shredder. Right. And the idea that Nixon should be impeached was incredibly unpopular at the start of those televised hearings and it completely flipped by the end of the televised hearings but i mean i think people are too aware of this whole process to uh like have their mind changed that much by a televised thing but i do think you know as we're you know looking at the 2020 election if there is a televised uh you know hearing where different just incompetence and dishonesty and just being terrible at the job are like right. kind of coming out in drips and drabs. That's not a bad thing for Democrats. And that seems like it would be a smart strategy. Yeah, it does seem like it would be a smart strategy, but we are talking about the Democratic Party here. So I look forward to them doing something that makes everything worse. Yeah, yeah, that is what I can rely on the Democratic Party for. So nominating, I'm excited about Hillary's 2020 run. Uh, nominate Biden with Tim Kaine once again. Oh <laughs> yeah. man, Biden Kaine ticket, baby. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, who do we who do we who do we Hola, toss in that mis campaign? Amigos. Yeah. <laughs> how do we how do we get the lefties on board? Oh, let's bring back Tim Kaine. They, they huh? love Tim Kaine. Right. Oh geez. Oh, Jack's breaking the Our mic just fell off. Probably maybe related to all of the bagel tossing I've been doing. No way to know. See, you've angered, you've angered the Lord. You know what, Daniel? When you get done with that, hand me those bagels again. I'm gonna give one more good toss in before we, uh, before we, we throw right on out. Yeah, you guys, any got any got any pluggables to plug? Bagels are down there. Thank you, Daniel. 
Uh, last time I did, I, I did Glade plugins. I did Belkin surge protectors for your pluggable items. <laughs> um, yeah, no, none here. Daily Zeitgeist. Daily Zeitgeist. Check it out. Oh, they already know. Week daily, Monday through Friday. Well, not not everybody. Man, if everybody. you don't, fuck, bruh. Fuck, it's bruh. The, it's, the, it's the sickest second-rate podcast <laughs> in the building, man. Check uh, out the Daily Zeitgeist. If you're looking for a great tube of, uh, of throw-in bagels, I can recommend Sara Lee Deluxe Bagels Blueberry. Tube really, of throw-in bagels. I mean, just listen to how good these toss. Oh, oh, yeah. solid bounce off one of the soundboards onto a couch. Really good throw-in bagels. And they're still intact. Those are, We'll be eating those bagels. Well, yeah, it's because of the preservatives, baby. Mm-hmm. I think those bagels became throwing bagels because nobody wanted to eat them. Yeah, and I did want to throw them. They were therefore donated to the throwing bagel fund. His, his throwing bagel basket that we yes. put for Robert every day. So buy some throwing bagels of your own. Toss them to relieve your frustration about the Mueller report and the horrible morass of, of hatred that we are all slouching closer to in 2020. Going to be a fun election. We're oh, all yeah. looking forward the to best. it. The wow. best. Hey, Robert, Super do good. you have any pluggables? No. I think you do. I don't have any other shows. That's right. That I know of. He only does. He, I don't even. I don't, do you even do this show? No. Right. All so right. What are we are then about? I want to <laughs> talk about a podcast that I've been listening to lately. Big fan. Slow burn. Yeah, it's called Slow Burn. Uh-huh. Uh, no, it's called It Could Happen Here. Uh, it is terrifying. Uh, it's about the possibility of a second American civil war. Ties into all this a little bit. Yeah, ties into all this and quite a bit. And militias at the border. Yeah. Uh, what you might not know is when we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, possible impeachment, that the right is already saying they will murder us mm-hmm. in the streets if uh, if people try and remove Trump from office. So Just some of them, including several of the people named in the Mueller report. Yeah. So that's worth taking into account. Uh, yeah, it could happen here is mind blowing. Every week, it's growing more and more. It's become a phenomenon. Uh, check it out. It could happen here. So make yourself sad and scared with it could happen here, and then stockpile food and armaments. Yes, uh, and those buckets and from those Jim Baker from Jim Baker. Yeah, Baker buckets. Actually, buy Indian Army rations. They have a really good shelf life. They're pretty pretty cheap. And they really probably tasty. use like good flavors. Really good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you want a lot of curry in your rations. Like not like a chow mein MRA, MRE. Yeah. You get out here. No, those are the worst ones. All right, uh, I have a, a podcast called Behind the Bastards, which this is. So oh I yeah, plug the podcast. <laughs> this is. Uh, I'm all out of sorts. You're so good at this. I man. liked when Fire. Jack was plugging your show. It felt like a weird like toast at a fucking wedding. Or right? Something. Yeah, like, like the guy. I, I got a podcast. I want to tell you about. It's like, and Robert's like, oh god. Oh boy. So I, embarrassed. I, I am hungover from the Mueller report. Uh, <laughs> right. it, it's it's terrible. Um, also, buy merch for both of our shows. Buy at merch Public. for from T Public. It will keep you warm uh, as the country burns down around you, mm-hmm. um, or will keep you cool. Yeah, get a country. tank top, maybe. Yeah, get it, get it's a too tank hot. top because it's going to be even warmer soon. Cool could be, as the day is long. Could be insurgent warfare or climate change. I don't know. You might not need sleeves anymore. I'm just saying, right. nothing looks better than a freedom fighter with like you know, those arms bared. You know, oh yeah, get them big guns. The right to bear arms. You could be like that guy in Libya who stuck a cannon in a shopping cart. Uh, oh, shopping yeah. cart technical no, guy. No, it wasn't like a 50 cal or yeah, something. Yeah, it was like a 50 show. cal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't know, the podcast is over. Go hug your family, kiss a cat, throw some bagels. Hold up. 
happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.